1: again, everybody, and welcome back at long last to The Clone Wars Strikes Back. This is the podcast where we go back and celebrate the six-year history of the Emmy award-winning series, Star Wars The Clone Wars, by discussing each and every episode and episode on... We're finally back! with Our summer break, or summer schedule, I guess we should say, because it wasn't really a break. We did put out some episodes over the summer, um, but it, it, it's over. We're, we're back. We're going to try our very best to get episodes out on schedule and it will be uh far more likely than it was for the last month um but if you're new to the show or uh in case you've forgotten because it's been so long my name is dominic and joining me as always is my good friend and co-host kieran
0: Hello, hello everyone. Nice to, nice to hear from you again, Dominic, yes. to be honest. Listeners, it's been exactly the same. Uh, I haven't been in a communication exactly the same time as you haven't heard us on, on the podcast, so it's... It's nice to hear Dominic's voice yeah, again. Yeah, it,
1: it kind of sucks. I mean, that that you know, we were just so busy for the, the the summer that it was like, you know, our our communication was, "Are you free this week?" "No, I'm not free this week." "Are you free next week?" "No, I'm not free next week." It was just it didn't didn't ever work out, and we couldn't uh, you know come together to, to make an episode. But um, but you know, that's all over now. We're, we're back, yep. and uh, I'm so happy to be back. Just talking Clone Wars, talking everything. Um, but yeah, so we've got. Four episodes to discuss this week. We've got a standalone episode in Sphere of Influence, and then we've got one of the, uh, you know, those weird trilogies that the Clone Wars likes, likes to do, of two episodes from one season and, and one episode from a prior season, in uh, Evil Plans, Hostage Crisis, and Hunt for Zero. Um I think this is the last season 1 episode. <laughs> you know, mm. <laughs> and we're finally we're finally done with season 1, you know, we've made it. You know, this is episode 18 of the show and we're finally just finishing season 1. Yeah, that's just just weird that they would do it that way. But yeah, we're going to get into all of those whether these were um you know whether that Season one episode got worthy continuations and, and prequels and and how uh, Sphere of Influence stands up and all that. Um, but yeah, let's start with, with Sphere of Influence. So, Kieran, do you have an episode description for us for Sphere of Influence?
0: I do indeed, Dominic. I could easily have used the intro, the very complicated intro <laughs> for Sphere of Influence, but I decided just to make it a bit more superficial than that. So we'll start off with a synopsis of Sphere of Influence. Chi-Ekwe and Chi-Amana, is that, am I pronouncing that right? I think that's right. I think that's right. Anyway, we'll cut that bit out. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) Chairman Papanoida's daughters are kidnapped and held for ransom. Ahsoka Tano teams up with the senator from Pantora, Rio Chuchi, to help the chairman in recovering his family before the Trade Federation can unduly influence the future of Chairman Papanoidas family or the planet I should say that that was a great start yeah it would be really rusty folks yeah, uh, yeah. and anything else yeah. but also the fact it was a it was a seemingly complicated episode when it, yeah <laughs> it, it needn't be really yeah
1: <laughs> it, it was there's a lot of uh, interesting stuff with the the whole the politics of war in in this uh in this in this episode i mean uh, and let's just start with the fact that here's the trade federation again blockading the planet it's it's kind of you kind of wonder how anything functions in in the galactic republic when you know all that happens you know oh this the trade federation and a planet have 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 had a a disagreement okay we're just gonna blockade their planet and nobody is allowed to to you know or i guess trade isn't allowed to, to end trading ships aren't allowed to enter the planet and they get shot down by the trade federation if if they even try it's uh it's quite the uh it, it doesn't seem like this is proper this is sort of a symptom of the overall uh republic death disease that they've got um, wouldn't you say
0: Yeah it's it's exactly an imitation of what happened in episode 1 and yeah. Padma makes that Quote when she says, This reminds me of a skirmish that happened on the moon not that long ago. You're like, Yes, it did. It happened on your planet. We know. Don't <laughs> need to spell it out to us. It's exactly the same as what happened in episode one. And I know at the time, so obviously during this, we used to listen to the Rebel Force Radio or Force Cars, it was called back then. And they did make this, this comment and it was exactly the same. And people were a bit ambivalent about it. They weren't necessarily. Overly satisfied with the fact that it was it was an exact imitation of what happened in episode one, but I think there was enough different about the episode to really dispel that notion, principally when we later get on to what happens on Tatooine, of course, and we get to see Greedo, I think there's a lot of good stuff in this episode, oh, yeah. and... Um, uh, I guess we, we usually start as, as well with our uh, initial impressions So I'll, I'll p- point that to you. Actually, kind of link linking onto that. What, what were your initial impressions of, of yeah. this episode? I know it's one of your favorites. Actually, I, I, I stand alone. I, I should say
1: I wouldn't I say it's one of my, my my favorites. I do quite enjoy the episode. I don't think it's a it's a bad episode. I think it's a pretty pretty damn good episode. I think it's one of the the really well-done political episodes, and it's up there with things like the Clovis arc from season, from season six and and uh, Heroes on Both Sides, which we'll be discussing next time, which I think were times that the, the show actually, you know, took on these political uh, issue or these more political stories and, and told them well. And so, yeah, I, I enjoyed this episode when it came out, and I've enjoyed it ever since then. Um, how about yourself?
0: Oh, I thought it was, the more I've watched it, I it has become a lot more endeared to me. I think at the time at the time when it first came out I was not it's great I wasn't it wasn't my greatest favourite to say the least. It just it just I don't know what it was about it at the time, but I guess with what we've seen in a trailer, um which which was soon to discuss with Maul, um didn't know more was coming back then, but I mean, the Night Sisters trilogy and things like that. It was a little bit underwhelming at the time. But the more I look back at it, it's got a lot of good elements about the episode, particularly uh, the characters. It's really character centric, I think, as much as we talk about the political situation. It does focus a lot on the, the Papanoidans, of course. So we get to actually delve into their society, their culture as well, particularly with the. their methods in trying to extract information from people which is uh, not as amicable as you might think and on top of that we get to see more of Ahsoka's character development which I think is really interesting particularly her force abilities which we'll come on to. and of course we get to see Greedo uh, although he only made a a short appearance in episode 4 he, His he left impression an impression indel- has been long lasting.
1: He left an indelible in- mark on the Star Wars saga by he shooting had. second or first or whatever. Um, <laughs> nobody cares. Yeah, nobody is cares. Harrison Ford yeah, said? I, Ford. It. "I don't know and I don't care." Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. that's my take on it as well. Um, we'll we'll talk about the politics in a second, but since you brought up the characters, let's let's jump in with with Baron Papanoida. Um, George Lucas as an action hero—that was <laughs> quite something to see. Um, and this is it's something I love. It when the show does is they take something, you know, just, or, or that we see anytime Star Wars does this. The, the Legends universe used to do it a lot, and I'm sure we'll see it on Rebels as well. Is to sort of this take the a background character and, and, and give them a, a starring role in a in an episode, and then <laughs> just to make it to, to make it funny, they, they make it George Lucas. They make you know the character that he played in. Re- Revenge. Revenge of the Sith, it's just, you know, it's one of those things where I feel like everybody was sort of in on the joke. That, you know, everybody who was working on the show and all the fans were kind of in on the joke that this is, you know, George Lucas running around as an action hero. You know, this is his moment (laughs) sort of to, to... to be the star of Star Wars because, you know, he was he was the guy behind the, the camera and behind the scenes the whole time and he is you know, only on screen for a fraction of a second and so now to sort of give him this sort of lasting legacy um, in terms of just his look being on screen and, and shooting up the can't Mos- <laughs> Cantina is pretty great. Uh, what did you think of seeing, you know, basically seeing George Lucas running around as an action hero?
0: Oh, it's fantastic, isn't it? It's... I guess many Star Wars fans dream to see (laughs) George Lucas out there fighting the good fight. That's what he's doing. It it, it was really enthralling, I have to say. And you know what? This is maybe not the most sophisticated way of putting it, but he kicked some butt, didn't he? I mean, he was in that cantina, shooting it up, and and he was. You know, the whole rescue mission was. it, It was just fantastic to see because this could easily have gone on the path of just the normal political episodes that we've seen in the past, and that have been executed as effectively, um, namely we'll come on to Senate murders, which I think has got a lot of problems, but I, it, <laughs> that was what it was good it was it was really the combination, yet seemingly juxtaposition of action and politics, which actually worked very well together, he was out there, he went to Tatooine He went to Jabba's Palace Got um, his hands and dirty Got his hands dirty, didn't he? Yeah. He knew exactly what he was doing, and it was just really exciting to see uh, george lucas in character that's what i imagine if he if he was if george lucas was a real character in the star wars universe and i would love him to be like chairman papanoida that would just be it oh, i'd be it would be fantastic to see it. So, you know, what what were your thoughts about him, Chairman yeah. Baron Papanoida? He was he was just it was just so much
1: fun. It was just really great to see, and really you know it, like I said, everybody was in on the joke, and everybody sort of knew that you know that was George running around uh, shooting up the cantina. It was it was fantastic, and it you know you kind of wonder cause if you know because I you know this might have been made at a time before or this was made at a time before Episode Seven was really a. A strong possibility, and it, there was maybe some thought that maybe Clone Wars might be one of the last things to see the light of day in the Star Wars universe, because you know the you know sort of canon things to see the light of day, because you know there was detours on the way. We knew that, but uh, since it's since been canceled, of course. But um, and, and then uh, and there was the live action series that would never seem to be moving past the writing phase, and and so this was there was kind of a bit of a, a wonder for me and and i wonder this now still if, if you know before the, the decision was made for, to, to go forward on episode seven if george kind of thought you know what i'd like to you know my my la- one of my last things to do in the in the star wars galaxy is be you know have my character run around and, and do some action things you know like, that's something you know he's never done before you know he's always <laughs> been you know the the guy driving things behind the scenes well now is his chance to in a way, step in front of the camera and, and have some fun that way. Um, but what was, what was interesting about this guy is, you know, we, as much as we kind of, you know, he he was, during this episode, we knew exactly where he stands. You know, he, he doesn't want to deal with the separatists. He, uh, you know, he just wants to get his, his, his children back. Um, but when he talks to Jabba, he appeals to him as a father and as a friend. Um Now, obviously, you know, the father thing is a callback to the Clone Wars movie, which was nice. I I quite like that. I thought that was a a cool little nod to the history of the show. Um, But he also refers to him as a friend. Now, is this just sort of a, you know, him just trying to be nice to Jabba, trying to get what he wants from Jabba? Or do you sense there might have been some history there between these two characters? And perhaps I don't know, maybe uh, maybe Baron Papanoid is a little bit more underworld than we thought.
0: Well I'm not I'm not so sure about that really, because there's a line before he goes and confronts Jarba with Greedo about the situation of his daughters, where he's with his son, whose name unfortunately escapes me. I know Seth Green voices him. What's that I again, sorry? Iowan
1: Papanoida or something? Iowan,
0: yes. Yes, that's correct. I Iowan Papanoida, well done. That's a... Yes. <laughs> points. ...pick in the quiz. Points, <laughs> <yeah>. points yes. <laughs> <laughs> tally it. We'll tally it up by the end of the episode. <laughs> um, yeah, it was when he's with Iowan Papanoida, they, they they both walk in to Jarba's palace, and he alludes to the fact that Java might be involved. He's He's very suspicious at that point of who the conspirator is, who is the guilty party, and he doesn't want to immediately clash or, or confront Jabba with anything until he's exactly sure what's going on. So I think in answer to your question, it's it is just more of an appeal. He talks about father figure, and then obviously if he claims he's a friend, um, then then that may be some way to get what he wants. Really, when deep down inside, at least I think he's very very sceptical about Jabba's motives in general and I don't think there could be a frame would be a strong word I think to describe their relationship if, <laughs> if he's very suspicious of him at the start but well, what do you think about it all
1: Yeah I I think that he was just kind of appealing to Jabba just and he was trying to sort of say to Jabba you know look I don't want I'm not your enemy here I I don't want to cause trouble and so he says I appeal to you as a father and as a friend and you know it's one of those things you know like when you see in the movies or, or stuff when, you know, the two corrupt businessmen meet for the first time, you know, they refer to each other as their friend, even though, you know, one of them probably has an assassin outside the window with their rifle trained on the other. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's sort of, like I feel like it was kind of that kind of scenario where he was just trying to sort of appeal to Jabba and, you know, sort of say, look, we're not trying, I don't want to cause any trouble with you. Um, but at the same time, sort of, he was... Still, sort of in his mind, thinking, okay, I could, Do I have to kill Jabba? Is Jabba going to be involved in this? But he was, but he was more just trying to get answers and was thus appealing to Jabba in, in a way that you know we haven't really seen anybody. You know, it's, you know, Luke Skywalker is always calling Jabba, you know, great exalted one and and all kinds of, uh, kinds of stuff like that. And here comes Baron Papanoid and he's essentially doing the same thing, but he's doing it very differently. Um, he's doing it as a friend. sort of saying as friend, which is sort of makes me wonder if he has a little bit more. Underworldness to him, but at the end of the day, I think he was just appealing to Java, trying to get his help. Um, and also, you yeah. have
0: to consider different time zones as well in, in the dark times with the Empire. I don't think Java's really going to be too concerned about anything political. The yeah. Senate was disbanded, and he probably thinks he is the, the ultimate. Power Master on Tatooine. No one's going to challenge him at all. Um, so when Luke comes in, he feels very overconfident about the situation. And maybe thinks he can get some money for Luke, but yeah. for Baron Papanoida, I think he probably he's not really fussed at all, to be honest, and just says, "Okay, you can you know you you can um, have Greedo if you want. I'm, it doesn't bother me at all, to be honest, because <laughs> obviously Greedo wasn't working for Jabba. That wasn't Jabba. No. And it as, was, yet, as we find out later, um, linked to the Trade Federation, the the neutral Trade Federation, we should say.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I was going to, going to ask you. You know, when Baron Papanoida makes it sound like you know Greedo working for somebody else is this big, kind of is a big deal. Like this is something that Jabba should be concerned about. And I'm sort of sitting there thinking, well, wait a minute, Greedo's a bounty hunter. He just sort of goes where the jobs are. And then it's sort of maybe wonder, well, maybe does Jabba have sort of like a, a team of bounty hunters that he calls on and sort of, you know, in, in to do smaller jobs just every now and again? And Greedo is one of them. And then, you know, obviously when there's a big job, he goes to the, the big guys like Cad Bane or, or, or Boba Fett. But in this – but, you know, just for the smaller stuff, does he just sort of have some, you know, on staff basically and they, they only do stuff that, that Jabba tells them and if they – you go, you know, it's like that. If you get a job at like a bookstore, uh, you know, you have to sign an agreement saying you won't go get a job at another bookstore for the same <laughs> during that while you're working at the first bookstore. You know, it's kind of the, does Gaba have that kind of agreement with Greedo? Is that what's going on here, or is Baron Papanoida just trying to? I don't know. I, that that line kind of threw me for a loop. I don't, I don't know what you think of it.
0: Well, Greedo seems quite panic stricken. I thought when. Baron was making his case to Jabba, he, he kept on exclaiming, he's lying, he's lying, he's not telling the truth. And so part of me does think that you've got a good point there, it's got a lot of credence, that perhaps he wasn't really meant to be doing this, or at least um, not, not to the extent that he was helping New Gunray. Um, that, that, that's kind of the impression I was getting, and, and Java was certainly very forceful. I mean, you can't, I can't talk cuties, unfortunately, but from <laughs> his... From his facial expressions, I guess, he gave the impression that he was adamant that Greedo would give uh, Baron the information that he wanted... So I, I, I do wonder that, actually. I wouldn't be surprised. It, Although people, as you say, like Cad Bane is, is obviously a loose cannon, and I don't think yeah. you can really just keep him there. Obviously, we see later that he does work with Java but that he's not exclusively working for him. Yeah. Whereas perhaps people like Credo, and as we also later see, Cy Snooples, oh, spoilers, everyone, um, <laughs> that, uh, but, that perhaps, as you say, that these motley of criminals are c- common and loyal, well, should be, be loyal associates to Java, but whether that's the case is another matter. Well, yeah, we, well, well you kind of touched on it, but what's your what's your thoughts on it?
1: Yeah, well, I was kind of wondering about this, and it's, I, I sort of think about Han Solo in the original trilogy, and you know, Jabba is is very upset with him, and Han has clearly worked for Jabba a bunch of times, and it makes me wonder if maybe maybe Han had a similar agreement, like he was sort of working with Jabba, and he was only working with Jabba, and then you know he started dropping cargo loads, and then you know wound up. Uh, you know, uh, being frozen carbonite and all that. But then I think about that again, and no, not so much, because he was still going to fly Luke and Ben and the droids to Alderaan. So I I feel like, you know, I think that maybe Baron Papanoida was just trying to, you know, get Jabba on his side. And, you know, maybe Jabba, maybe there is some kind of agreement to something like that. Or maybe Jabba just doesn't want his, his bounty hunters getting involved with such big things as kidnapping you know, key political figures, children. You know, if they want to go off and assassinate some lowlife who owes somebody else ten bucks, then that's one thing, but, you know, it, it just seems like an odd line to be thrown in there. Um, but at the end of the day, I don't know if it was that, <laughs> it was all that important. Um, um, let's, let's move on here. Um, ah- ah- Ahsoka comes to Anakin when the daughters have been kidnapped. She wants to go after them, but Anakin sort of says, no this is not a jedi matter but then he gives her permission to do this on her own and basically says she will or he will cover for her um as she goes off and does this and the, this is kind of you know this is the this is sort of another one of those things where we sort of see the jedi order is not not doing what they're supposed to be doing instead sort of, you know they're kidnapped children and they can't get involved in it because of politics um mm-hmm. Not. This is, you know, yet again, this is one of those moments where it's like, no wonder the Jedi Order fell. No wonder they didn't, you know, look into things like, you know, could a Sith Lord be in the Republic, in the Republic government more seriously. This is like, why, these are all the problems with the Jedi, and these are why, you know, Anakin would think that the Jedi are ultimately evil. Um, you know, what did you think of that little exchange there?
0: Yeah, it was it was certainly interesting because he gives the impression, as you said there, that this, this is obviously going to have to be kept quite covert and secret. he does not want the Jedi to find out. Mm-hmm. Yet later on, it's even more intriguing because I'm sure when Ahsoka is talking with the Papanoidans, that they actually say the Separatists might be involved. Then surely, if the Separatists are involved, does that not give? I guess justification for the jedi to also get involved and then they don't really have to be so secretive about it it's it's so complicated really when you when we start to talk about it and analyze it, uh, it okay, but i but guess superficially and, and 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 simplistically as possible as uh, how how i can express this is ultimately with, with with the politics of of the government the jedi just are really subservient to the government there is no real cause at, at this point until they start to investigate Palpatine um, for them to actually dispute anything that's said in the government. And they, they are, aren't they? They're just tools. They're instruments that have been used by, as we know, Darth Sidious to fight the war. The war is their primary aim right now. And a little skirmish, a little blockade, equivalent to episode one, of... <laughs> of, a, of Pantora, which has culminated in suspension of trade between a n- number of planets is not, at this point, their focus, which it should be as well. And that is why these underworld types, such as Greedo and uh, the other furry friend of his, whose name escapes me. <laughs> I, I, that, I don't think he has a name. He's
1: not important enough to have He's not name. important.
0: <laughs> with, with his goat voice. Um, he, he, they're getting away with things like this. So, it's quite a long-winded answer, but I, I, I guess it, it's because it's not a part of the war officially. Uh, we know, we know as the audience members, that it, it is mainly the Separatists who are working here to try and get Pantora to join the Separatist Alliance. It's quite an odd way of doing it, but <laughs> it, yeah. it didn't work out in the end. But nevertheless, it's it, it is just... It's so complicated to talk about. Is all I can say. But ultimately, yeah. I mean, it's I'm I'm as baffled as you are. Can you you'll have to take over, mate, because I'm I'm struggling for thoughts here on exactly um, what, what's going on yeah, with uh it's, it's <laughs> with this. Why the Jedi have to do this secretly when clearly the Separatists are involved. But yeah, I guess
1: as I said, it it I think it's just you know they're so focused on the war that they're missing. The obvious, and they're not being able to get involved with things that they probably should. I mean, y- you know, you you'd think that this is something they would do. You know, if, if Chairman Papadopoulos' children had been kidnapped, you know, four years earlier, then Mace Windu would have sent somebody to go deal with that. <laughs> you know, I, I feel like this is just uh, a, a, because of the war, because they are stuck uh, fighting this war, and they. The Jedi are just spread too thin, and as a result, things things like this have to be done in secret, which is, and you know, it's just kind of a symptom of what is going on with the Jedi as a whole, and again, it just kind of leads to, leads to their downfall, because people sort of start to realize, why aren't the Jedi involved in this? Why aren't the Jedi doing more when something is so obviously going on, and it leads to, you know, the people being willing to let Palpatine exterminate all the Jedi and take over, at, or, or not even exterminate all the Jedi, just believe that the Jedi attempted to overthrow him because they sort of realize, Hey, the Jedi aren't doing things that they should be doing, like going after kidnapped children. Um. Anyway, anyways, let's, uh let's move on a, a little bit here and, and talk about the end of the episode when um, Chuchi, uh, you know, she discovers the, the trade federation, uh is holding one of the daughters and she says and she basically blackmails the uh the trade federation leader into not um into or to, into ending the uh blockade in exchange for her not basically letting the world know about this uh th- this about what happened and it kind of you know it kind of makes you question Shoot, she's character a little bit because she has a chance to strike a real blow at the separatists by bringing down the Trade Federation, by proving that the Trade Federation is, you know, in league with the Trade Federation, is war profiteering. And she has a chance to, you know, really bring them to justice with evidence, hard, cold hard evidence. And instead, she she focuses on her planet solely, which, I mean, is ultimately, I guess, that's her job. But she had a real opportunity there, and I think. Ahsoka did as well because she was there. Um, but for the both of them to basically say, we're just going to let this slide. Um, you know, because every, I mean, everybody knows Trade Federation is separatists or, or everybody with a brain knows that. <laughs> um, or who's paying attention in the slightest. Um, but they're able to keep this facade up of being neutral. And, you know, they had a real chance to strike a blow at the Trade Federation and they, they let it go. And you kind of, kind of wonder about, about Chuchi and even Ahsoka a little bit at
0: that point. I mean, you do to an extent, but I think in a way you, you you kind of answered it when you said that she ultimately wants the best for her people. That is her ultimate desire. Um, And as much as the war effort of course is having an effect on everyone and it could have struck a massive blow on the trade federation. She wants trade with, obviously the Federation, but also other planets. And that's what she's focused on, is saving her planet from this barricade or blockade from the Trade Federation. And that's why politics is, as we know, we're not ignorant people, <laughs> but we know it's it, it's not the cleanest of, of yeah. things, things in this world, unfortunately. And deals like this are struck... They in, they are, I can imagine, because people just want what's best for them. And for for Senator Chuchi, what was best for her was the suspension of this blockade and a resumption in trade relations. As for Ahsoka, we talked about it before. This was a secret mission. She wasn't meant to be there. I don't think she really mm. wants to be enlightening to the world that actually I was on that ship and I was doing all of this. Good. Hang point. on a minute. Naughty, naughty stick yeah, will be coming from we're in... window and a Jedi Council member, yeah. won't they? Again, it's goes... she can't say anything, can she?
1: Yeah, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about a second ago. It's the problem with the Jedi. It's like she wasn't there. She essentially she didn't have her. She didn't have a warrant. It's like you know when the police have evidence or they they know something is is wrong and. Or they they want to go collect evidence, but they don't do it, you know, through the proper procedure.
0: Yeah, for the proper channel. Yeah, then
1: they, you know, the judge ultimately has to throw out the case, and you wind up with situations where bad people get out, or get away, because procedure was not followed, and you know, it's one of those things that, you know, it's, it's very real world for that to sort of be her thought process, um, but it makes sense that, you know, that, you know, we see what happens when the Jedi and the Republic go head-to-head in at the end of Season 5. And, you know, Ahsoka could have wound up on one of those trials uh, a lot sooner if this had happened. Um, because, yeah, exactly. you know, that the Trade Federation would not have let them get away with that.
0: Uh, no, not at all, really. So they, they would have found some way to get away with it. And that is another thing as well. You see how corrupt the system is. I'm sure Palpatine is not going to want to let this slide. Wants to keep the Trade Federation in there as well because it serves his purposes as much as anything, which is pretty much as a focal point for dismantling the Republic. Um, it, it, it is an important important element for all sides, I think, at this point, and I don't think Palpatine is quite ready to just discard the Trade Federation as yet because, as we've seen with Yute Gunray. Not only does he know too much, but he doesn't really work well <laughs> under interrogation, as Luminara <laughs> has demonstrated in previous episodes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, good the point. Instead of her, though, the better.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Until we get to season one of Rebels, um, and oh, yeah, all right. Well, um, th- th- I think that's that's pretty much it for for this uh, for this episode for Sphere of Influence. Um, oh, I had do, you have, I do you have? Yeah, I was going to, yeah, to yeah. ask you. Do you have anything else you want to bring up?
0: Yeah, I was just going to add your opinion on this, actually, and, because I think this will be linked overall as an arc, I guess, but do you see clear evidence in this arc of Ahsoka's development in character? Well, I mean character development, more her forced talents and abilities. Oh,
1: yeah. It was it was cool to see her, you know, essentially struggling to do these things because, you know, it it it, it makes sense. It's a logical progression in the story that, you know, she... She's not going to be perfect at lifting people in the air for long periods of time the second she tries it. or And she's not going to be perfect at mind tricks the first time that she tries it. And it led to that great moment in the detention block where, uh, you know, she she mind tricks the guard and the guard lets her pass. But then the guard won't let, let Chuchi pass and she has to go back and, and do it again. It was It was kind of an amusing moment and it was good to see, you know, that, you know, Jedi – do have to take some time to learn how to use the force that they can't just do things instantly. Um, and and that was a cool it was a it was a cool moment. Um, and I, I do want to bring up one more thing from 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 this <laughs> from this episode. And I just wanted to ask you about about Greedo. You know we we haven't you know this is the first time we've seen Greedo outside of you know A New Hope. Um, did you like that they included him, or was he one of those characters that you know? Was a bit unnecessary, could have been just any old thug and, you know, maybe makes the universe a bit smaller to have him show up.
0: I think how they integrated it, it was executed very, very well, in my opinion. Of course you could have had any lackey do what he did, but you still got that little more, I guess, you were far more fascinated and captivated by the fact that Greedo was a part of it, that was really, really exciting in my opinion because we don't see much. I mean, we've only seen him in in a clip of uh, (laughs) episode four and a deleted scene of episode one. So to see how his character in a way has developed, you've already kind of got a progression if if you count a deleted scene of him as a child and now he's in his youth or adolescent stage of life. And of course he's going to be getting up to things like this. (laughs) and I think it was just really cool to see, actually. And I don't know about yourself, but it it surprised me a little bit, though. He was far more cowardly than I really would have expected him to be. When you see him in episode four, he's straight up confronting Han Solo, gun at the ready, and he's like, yeah, you're going to give me the money now. Obviously, (laughs) his his fate, Yeah. otherwise, (laughs) he he ends up in in a smoky fate. But I don't know. I I really did enjoy his character, though, actually. He, He... There was definitely some good moments. When I say cowardly, um, like when he was captured, he was all like, "Oh, groveling almost. But then there were some cool moments. Um, He was also clumsy, I think is another word I would use, when he got smacked in the head by that daughter (laughs) when they were trying to capture them and kidnap them. That didn't go down so well. But what about yourself? What did you make of Greedo and and his character in this episode? Yeah,
1: for me, uh, for Greedo, I mean, I kind of... You know, I, on the one hand, I kind of feel like, uh, yeah, like they could have just thrown in any lackey and it would have, it would have worked. And that you know maybe they they should have because, you know, not every character has to appear on the show. I mean, not every character that we we've, we've seen in the original trilogy has to to show up on the show. And you know, we we got Akbar, we got Mon Mothma, we got we got characters like that already. And so. Uh, you know, Mon Motha Moth makes perfect sense not against that one, and and you know, Akbar was really cool to see as well, and, and it was good to see Greedo. Like I'm not I'm not against seeing these characters, um, but sometimes I think that you know maybe we should create an original character and, and let them have their own story, like we, we did with Cad Bane, uh, or like they did with Cad Bane, uh, and instead of of just always going back to the well, because then we risk, um, you know, making these characters less special, basically less unique. And that is my um, my number one concern is is that um and that is that's why i that's why I sort of feel like you know <laughs> you know I would rather see uh I, I would have I, I rather seen a, a, a new character um, but that, that that's that, but at the same time I'm not against it either like i don't <laughs> i I would have rather seen a new character, but the fact that they threw grito in there doesn't 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 make the episode any worse or any better. <laughs>
0: you know? No, I think it just adds a little bit. It's again the affiliation you can have with a character on screen, which sure. is a bit more interesting. I think because it could, as we said, it could have been any other lackey, but the fact it was Greedo, it it, it just added a little bit more substance. I think to the episode personally, and I don't think it was detrimental at all. No, because as you said, you you had someone there that you could recognise. But the plot was exactly the same. We didn't go on a massive Greedo side story. It yeah. was principally about the Papanoidans, the political side of it, and rescuing the daughters. He just happened to be, um, I wouldn't say MacGuffin, that's not the right word, but he was certainly a tool that was used to that end. But it was a really cool tool to use. That's, that's kind of what I'm thinking more. Um, and I don't think it was uh, any at all, as I said, detrimental to the episode. But I can understand your point of view, that it can make the universe seem a little bit smaller than it is yeah. but if they're going to Tatooine Greedo's about so <laughs> it, it 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 does make sense true as well it, it's not as if again Greedo just went from some far distant planet all the way to Naboo that's a bit far fetched but it was <laughs> on his home planet of Tatooine yeah that's what i think anyway
1: yeah that that makes sense that that does make sense um yeah so let's let's, let's move on let's let's start talking about this this next three part arc uh of evil plans Hostage crisis and hunt for zero. So, um, Kieran, do you have the episode descriptions for, for all three? Let's let's do all three, and then we'll talk about
0: about them as three episodes. <laughs> I do indeed. Fasten your seatbelts, people. Might be here a while. <laughs> 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 nah, no, joke. E- evil plans. In the middle of a routine shopping trip on Coruscant, c 3 is abduct- abducted by the bounty hunter Cad Bane. Bane is looking for information about the Senate building on behalf of Jabba the Hutt. The Hut families intend to liberate their incarcerated brother Zero, who holds potential damaging information about the Hut activities. Next, move on to hostage crisis to free crime lord Zero the Hutt, Bounty hunters seize control of the Senate building and take hostages, completely unaware that Jedi Knight Anakin Skywalker is still inside. And finally, hunt for Zero. Cad Bane is. Broken Zero to Hut out of prison, the Hut Council demand that Zero tell them where he's hiding hidden vital and incriminating information, a journal detailing the criminal activities of the Hut families. When Zero daringly escapes his cell, on now Hutter Jedi Obi Wan Jedi oh, say that again, Jedi's Obi Wan Kenobi and Quinlan Voss. Along with notorious bounty hunter Cabane, lead the chase. Was that was it Jedi? Jedi's? I'm always it's
1: just Jedi. The Jedi, the, the plural of Jedi yeah, I was is Jedi. That. Yeah, yeah. There's no, there's no S's in there. Come on, get it right. Um, <laughs> I'm, well, That's it. I'm off.
0: See you later. Yeah, <laughs> I've been cut off the show. Yeah. Well, this is
1: this is the part of the show where we deduct
0: points. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've been deducted. I'm on minus one. I'm on. No, oh, thank you. Yeah. I've not even got zero. <laughs> I've got to get another point to get back to zero great yeah
1: get get busy get working on that um well let's let, let's start off with the evil plans of course and this is uh well, it's one of those episodes it's not it's not the best um and you know just one of those episodes yeah, start start with initial impressions and you know for me off the bat i i I actually really enjoy the first few minutes of this episode of just sort of the mundane humor of it all of you know they're throwing this party and and they, they have to go get the the, the 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 cake they have to go get the the fruit for the cake. And I, you know, on the one hand, I just, I just found it funny. I thought it was some, some, some humor, and just, just to do that, just to do something so off kilter, um, was funny at first. But I was sort of expecting the whole time that Cad Bane would, you know, show up, and then things would get serious. That things would get serious. Things would get real. And they didn't really. I, I mean, they. Got a little bit more serious, but then we sort of then we got into the droid spa and and things like that and i just it just lost me at that point i i didn't i, I didn't this is not one of my favorite episodes um I, how about how about yourself i what were your initial impressions of and and you know my impression hasn't changed has your has yours changed over the years?
0: not at all in, in <laughs> fact it's probably worsened the more I watch it unfortunately. compared to when we talked about Sphere of Influence the more I watched that the more I enjoyed it I can't say the same of Evil Plans it's uh, I mean I hate to say it but it's just unnecessary it really is unnecessary this easily could have been a two part arc I always look at an episode and think what is the purpose of it mm-hmm. and does it add something to the overall story Okay, it doesn't have to be grand as in grandiose Star Wars saga ch- you know, changing our perception of what we have seen but in terms of the individual arcs you don't really need this it yeah. really is summed up very well when the opening a hostage crisis you know what they're there for and when you do find out when it first aired I was a bit like as you said I was anticipating it because of Cad Bane mm-hmm. but then it just it just unfortunately delved into really quiet you know, childish stuff, and I, and, uh, the thing is, is, this isn't a children's show, I mean, as much as people said that at the beginning, by the time we get to season three, we know it's not, it's not a kid's show, It, it it's tail. it's tailor made for, all generations, mm-hmm. and it just seemed, far to, you know, I know you made a mention of this a couple of times, uh, or at least, a couple of times before, when you said that, we don't need, accounting session, we don't need to know, what, or, i 'm sport, or you know we don't need that, and it's a bit it is a bit too kiddie for my liking to be honest mm-hmm. um, and of course, we have to understand that the kids are watching this, and maybe they will enjoy it a bit more, but uh, it, 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 that's fine. you can have that type of the tone of the episode can be fine if there's something at the end of it or if it leads on to something or mm-hmm. if that is just the purpose of. But as you said, we had the campaign storyline, which of course is going to lead into bigger ramifications, but it just leads into, oh, we get to see the Hutt Council, but then we see the Hutt Council in Hunt for Zero. So was that really necessary to introduce them? We didn't really delve into anything about the Hutt Council and evil plans any more than we did in... In Hunt for Zero, do you see where I'm coming from yeah. on that front? That's what was really disappointing about it, and I think you, a lot of the thoughts I'm saying echo yours as well, no doubt.
1: Yeah, it, it didn't really, it didn't really add anything. Is the, the disappointing thing is that there just wasn't anything there that we really needed to see. Uh, it, it just it was this just kind of this weird little story, and it's it's unfortunate because I think there was. A potential for something, something big to happen, um, but it it just it didn't work out. Um,
0: I you will know, tell you what, Don. Do you think you would have got a different impression of this episode if it had actually aired before Hostage Crisis?
1: No, I don't. I I, I think, I I, I, ju- I think it just would have it would have would would have had the same I- impression of it, and because I think I, I love Hostage Crisis just as a standalone. I think. You know, when we give our ratings for this this arc, it's kind of it's gonna kind of suck because Hostage Crisis is a if not a ten out of ten, it's a nine out of ten. Um, but because of you know this episode and to an extent Hunt for Zero, it doesn't get as as good a rating as as that episode on its own deserves. And and you know I think Hunt for Zero is, is different. I think it, it, there's a little bit more to it. Um, but but this one there just isn't anything there. I mean, there's some good humor. Um, but after that, you know, after, you know, once, you know, once they, once 3PO starts explaining math, um, it sort of lost me. And it was like, okay, do we really need this? And then, you know, what just sort of started off as kind of fun and just kind of silly that would, you know, we were expecting to get dark in a different way than it did, um, you know, in a, in a more serious, more impactful way. Um, and, you know, surely, the, the whole point of this episode is, like, surely there could have been a better way for Cad Bane to get this information. Uh, you know, like, couldn't he have, you know, couldn't he have just hired a hacker to hack into the, the, the Holonet or something to find this information out? Um, why did he need R2 and 3PO? And, you know, at the end of the episode, when R2, you know, basically gives himself up for, for 3PO, you know, that's, that's a nice moment, but it, it, it kind of seemed out of character for R2, like, you feel like R2 would have, you know, come up with a way to save the day, to let everyone escape, and then Cad would have had to come up with a new way to get in. I uh, It just didn't, you know, it didn't really, uh, didn't do it for me. It didn't, didn't work as an episode for me. It's, it's one of my, if not my least favorite episodes from the, from the series, and, and, and yeah, it's, and I hate saying I mean, that about any episode... <laughs>
0: Exactly, it's just the method, it could have been executed a lot, a lot better really, that's the trouble. The plot, of course, <laughs> you're limited with what you're given I guess if this is the plot, but it seems so cliched when uh, C3PO, R2D2, they get electrocuted and then memories are wiped it's like really so everything that's just happened is wiped from their memory can they do the same thing with us then (laughs) please because that that could have been a lot better for everyone if i'm being honest it sounds harsh but you i mean i don't want to go over a whole eulogy again of the clone wars because we know we love the clone wars but you you do get sometimes with tv shows but it's just these couple of episodes we think oh it just and i don't also the timing of this Episode being broadcast didn't help either because we were. This is the beginning of season three, and the why. Another reason why I got a lot of harsh press not just the fact that it wasn't a great episode, but we'd had a lot of in and outs with you know whether. You, I know you said you liked Sphere of Influence. I thought it was quite good as well, but then you had corruption and Amanda Bour duology, and then you got this coming up. And yep. It's just it, it was a time when you wanted something impactful. You'd, you'd had Assassin after that, and then you go Evil Plans. And it's like. We, it's like we're going forward, we take one step forward and two steps back. It's like, no, it's not really what we want. We need to, want something to progress. We want something more than this. And that's, that was the issue. Um, I mean, well, I guess we could move on a little bit and say, what, well, what did you make of the whole juxtaposition between the the C3PO being tortured and the, and the R2D2 in the spa. <laughs> I, I
1: just I, I I didn't I I don't even really want to talk about that. I just I thought the whole droid spa thing was it was campy. It was it was campy, and I I don't like it. When when Star Wars go, goes campy and and that was definitely was not something that I particularly enjoyed. You know, I, I there are some things some more a little bit more serious things to talk about in this episode. But there's one more thing, a little bit one more the more like really moments of this series of this this, of this episode is that you know the whole plot is around them getting this this cake together, and the cake is for this party for the Senator Ang, who. Is on the uh, on the the military. He's on this vote, and Padme is throwing this party to win his vote. And essentially, they win his, The you know an important matter in the Senate, something that causes life or death for millions, if not billions, of people throughout the galaxy, is decided on by what cake they serve. Wait, I mean, look, I love cake as much as the next guy. I, I might love cake more than most people. It may be my Achilles heel. But I don't think I would vote, you know, I'm not gonna vote for something I don't believe in because somebody's like, oh, you can have this really good piece of cake if you can. Have it's uh, not like, oh, well, cake, well, in that case, I will vote
0: <laughs> for, you know. I don't care what I'm voting for. I'll vote I, for I, Yeah, i
1: am to have all dogs rounded up and killed. Uh, yeah, just give me good cake. Oh, I'm, no, I'm not. I'm, I don't know. It's just it seems kind of weird that this guy either has no principles and just wants to be bought by cake or just doesn't believe in his principles enough that, you know, cake will change his mind.
0: And, yeah, the, the other point I was going to make about that cake was that the fact he was so fussy about it as well? It wasn't just any cake that could be used to tempt this senator on <laughs> to be on Padme's side, but it had to have a Jogan fruit on it. Yeah. Otherwise, that's it. it was a joke, the Jogan fruit was a decider there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, oh. Yeah, it was kind of silly. Of well,
1: it's, you know, it, on the one hand, it is also kind of like a. Again, we kind of talked a few moments ago about symptoms of the Jedi Order being corrupt. This is sort of the Senate how corrupt the Senate is, and you know they've elected idiots to power that can be swayed by a cake you know it's it's kind of like bribing him essentially. Padme is essentially bribing him <laughs> with
0: this cake exactly
1: I mean' you think you know, exactly
0: the same methods that the um The corrupt senators are using themselves, aren't they?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, there's the sort of the school of thought. You know, if you want something from someone, you know, you invite them over, you make them a nice meal, and you make everything seem, like, really, really good so that they're in a good state of mind to discuss things with you. I mean, there is kind of that. I mean, we shouldn't necessarily write Padme off as as bribing him, but it still seemed kind of a bit, a bit shady, a bit shady for Padme. It didn't seem necessarily in her character but you know what she's willing to do whatever it takes to get uh, you know what she wants so uh, I guess yeah, exactly. that includes that includes doing that
0: <laughs> in fairness out of the other uh, other methods that people were using yes. though, the end game was similar it's hardly yeah, <laughs> he's not there's forcing no... something down his throat yeah, at least he there's... wants that to he you know he's... Yeah,
1: there's no money changing hands or anything no but... yeah anyways um Let's see what else is there in this episode. We talked about the droids, but oh well, this is kind of interesting. Um, can droids feel pain? I mean, you know, Cad Bane is like he's essentially torturing C three PO, but is he just kind of, you know, is, is C- does three PO actually feel pain, or is it just these electrical shocks are messing with his wiring and it's causing sort of causing him to go, ah, ah, messing with his his vocal cords, is, or is there sort of a more real pain to this, or is it just purely you know, his computer, his internal computer, is kind of crashing and restarting and sort of things like that.
0: Is I think I think there's a real, real pain that he's feeling here, and we we should look on to episode six with uh, Jabba's palace. When they're, they're going through, you know, Java's got the droid, this is his gift from Luke Skywalker, yeah. and you see those uh, gonk droids being tortured by that other droid. It's a bit wrong, really, but yeah. droids <laughs> droid- torturing droids. But it's exactly the same, though. The guy who's using the um, guy, oh, he's a real person, but, you know, <laughs> the, the robot who's putting the lever exactly this, the same type of robot that was yeah. used in Java's palace, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, maybe, that, maybe that's just their job description. You know? <laughs> torture oh, droids. I, I, I want a torture <laughs> droid. Get that guy in. He's the, he's the expert. He's like, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll do this. Thank you very much. But, this. yeah, the, did, would you not say that, that really illustrated in episode six, the fact yeah, that, that's, that they a, felt pain?
1: That's a good point. That's a very good point. Yeah, I think that is, yeah, I think that's the proof we need, and this is just kind of more evidence of that more evidence of that um yeah i i mean that's really that's really it for this episode to be perfectly honest for for, for evil plans i mean unless there's anything else you want to bring up about it let's move on to hostage crisis
0: yeah, i i think we should because what i could mention is again as we said with this episode you don't really need it it's all mentioned hostage crisis all we see bane delivers the information and then they say yeah you're the guy we're going to use to do the hostage crisis, so yeah. let's move on to hostage crisis. Yeah,
1: hostage crisis, all right. Um. So yeah, and this is the episode where, of course, Cadman takes over the Senate. This is the season one finale. It's the last season one episode we're going to talk about. Um...
0: Yeah, wipe a tear we're, folks. yeah
1: we're in 18 episodes into the show and we're just finishing season one um anyway Within as
0: many as many episodes as there are in season one almost
1: yeah, almost always. yeah Jeez, we've just done four more and you know stretch things out uh anyways, <laughs> anyways um overall yeah what was your I- initial impression of, of this episode and has that changed at all over the years
0: Hostage Crisis is one of my favourites. As you said yourself, as a a standalone when we saw it at the end of season one, it really introduced the audience to a really dark and ominous story that had never really been displayed before, never been exhibited by the Clone Wars team. It was really, really exciting. Obviously, this is the first time when it aired that we saw Cad Bane obviously not chronologically we we've, we've seen a few Bane episodes now yeah episodes. But, <laughs> but this was his big introduction and you got to see the likes of Aura Singh obviously didn't have as much of a role as she has done in the Boba Fett arc and assassin episode but again just seeing familiar faces a bit like with Greedo it was it was really enthralling but the whole plot line was it was fantastic yeah and, and you really got to you see, again, Anakin and Padme's relationship, but in an interesting way, in and in a way that I don't think we've really witnessed it before, As they've really, really had to conceal themselves. And if Bail Organa just had a bit more intuition about him, he might well have found out that <laughs> something was going on between those two.
1: Yeah, well, I, I was going <laughs>
0: to... You're going to ask that same thing? Yeah,
1: I was going to wonder. You? I, I kind of feel like this is sort of that moment where Bail goes, oh, I wonder. So it's sort of, so you know, when... <laughs> You know, he finds out that Padme is pregnant
0: in Episode Three. He's not that surprised. No, no not um, at all. But what were your first? Oh impressions yeah, impressions with the episode? Yeah, I, I love this episode. I,
1: it's just fantastic. And unlike you know, when we talked about, uh, I guess last time we talked about Art Troopers and 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 rookies and, and and clone cadets and how that that trilogy, you know, the middle episode kind of feel felt a bit out of place because the the effects were so much lower quality. This one not so much. I mean, you, you just kind of shows the difference between the beginning of season one and the end of season one, you know. And I, mean, mm-hmm. I guess this episode was really more produced for, for part of season two, and they just kind of finished it early, so they were able to stick it in at the end of season one as their finale. Um, and, and so I, I think that is that's just great that they were able to do that and such high quality stuff. And yeah, just it's it's like a little basically a, a little heist uh, episode of you know Anakin running around. Uh, you know in this sort of in this senate chamber that's been taken over by the bounty hunters It's really just one of one of my favorite episodes overall from from the entire series it's so good um well uh, let's start off with, with just kind of let's talk about let's talk about palpatine palpatine in this episode is very interesting cuz you really wonder how much did, like like what is going through his mind like he obviously was totally surprised by this i think I think he was—he had no idea this was coming, and so in this moment you almost get to see what a real chancellor would do. I mean, you know, we're so used to looking at everything that Palpatine does as this through this lens of is this a Palpatine thing? Is this a Dark City thing? How does this how does this uh, advance his Dark Side goals? But in this one, he's totally thrown off by it. He has no—you know—he has. It's basically—it's just like what the what, like, a real Chancellor would have to deal with, because there is no dark side, light side thing, you know, he's just, his, his his home has essentially been taken over, and all of the people that he is using have been taken captive. Um, I don't know, I mean, what do you think is going through Palpatine's mind throughout this
0: episode? It's a, It's a really interesting thought that you raised there. I think, again, there was a lot of debate surrounding this at the time, But it becomes even more perplexing when we look at it in chronological form. And, of course, Palpatine's already hired Bane. So, I mean, the the argument before was that, or at least one of the theories that I I heard about before, was that Palpatine saw what Bane did here, and then that was what inspired Palpatine to use Bane in the later Mm. arc. But clearly that, that doesn't work out chronologically. So... I, I'm of the opinion, actually, that Palpatine, as you said, is surprised and he's a little bit concerned about it because what Campaign do is doing here is fundamentally undermining his political authority. Mm-hmm. Of course, he is this chancellor, but he wants to project this image that he's a strong leader. Mm-hmm. And what is this, this going to show to people in the public, or general Republican supporters, if the Senate chamber is... You know, all all the senators are being taken hostage. The Hutt has been liberated uh, from from his incarcerated state pretty easily by a group of bounty hunters. In terms of the security of Coruscant, it really, really puts it in a in a this position. And of course, people, public opinion is suddenly going to be thinking, oh, hang on a minute, yeah, this isn't this is no longer this omnipotent and. I guess all powerful chancellor, not someone that we can necessarily entrust upon, yeah, so again, we have to imagine this is a time still that that palpatine he's consolidating his power, but he hasn't there's no galactic empire has not yet been proclaimed, there's still perilous situation here, and so he is I think a little bit wary about that, and that's why he does come across in such a upfront and as you said (laughs) akin to a proper chancellor yeah i think at that moment that's what he's doing he really is becoming a political mastermind to such an extent that he generally is acting as a chancellor yeah he's he's,
1: he's not in this scenario you know he is kind of working for his own his own you know good because you know like you said this could be bad for his image or you know people that he's using could wind up dead um but at the same time you know there's no ulterior. There doesn't seem to be any like major ulterior motive that's driving him. He's not presenting. He's not playing both sides against the middle in this. He's just trying to get rid of Cad Bane and trying to get back the Senate. It, it's it's really interesting. It's it's a it's kind of it's kind of funny to see Palpatine in that scenario because he's never in that scenario. He's always the guy in control, and so we see him kind of lose control here, and more so than we ever saw him. You know, even you know times when. You know his plan risked falling apart, like when Mother Talzin or Darth Maul got involved. Um, you know he always still seemed to be overall mostly in control. Here he is, you know he's got his head in his he's got it's burying his head in his arms and stuff. He, he's just totally at a loss for, you know really what to do because I mean you know Darth Sidious could go in there with his lightsabers and and, and kill Cad Bane, but that doesn't that doesn't save him. <laughs> that does, that just messes up his plans even worse. So it. Yeah, it was quite the a, quite the scenario for him to wind up in.
0: That's a very good point you raised. I, I was actually going to interlude with that, is that obviously he can't just do that. He's He is the Chancellor, and on top of that, he has got Orn free Tar in there with him, so he still needs to keep this image that he is the political mastermind, that he is the Chancellor of the Republic and not the Sith Lord. Yeah. But it's quite interesting. I think two things I also wanted to mention was that perhaps, because he's hired Cad Bane, you can see it from this angle, that... It exacerbates his fears and trepidation because he sees what Cad Bane can do. He's been so so successful with Sidious in the past. He he may well be very anxious about what Cad Bane's up to and yeah. what how and what damage this really could do. It, it is a very, very serious predicament. It's not your typical bounty hunter in Greedo or Snootles, <laughs> You know, this is this is the professional bounty hunter probably the most formidable you could argue in this time zone yeah. uh, particularly with the passing of Django Fett. Yeah, and yeah, and, and, uh, and,
1: and you know, it's kind of like he's there and you know the one who would be number 2 is also there in a Singh.
0: Exactly. Yeah, so you've got those two all working together as a team. This again it, it is a formidable outfit. And the other thing I was going to say is that we've never really seen Palpatine is exacerbated before, as you said, apart from with the Zillow Beast episode. And it's mm. interesting that those two events were ones that really were out of his control because he was the Chancellor and he was he was interacting with other people who were under the impression he was Chancellor, were under this you know, believing in this false image. You know, in the Zillow Beast he was with Padme, Anakin and Rex, and obviously when the Zillow Beast came up to him, he can't just well, obviously you know he can't destroy it with lightsabers, that was a that was a yeah. formidable threat. But a similar situation with with Free Tar and obviously the other senators is that he can't do anything that he wishes or, or something that he really would do because he has to keep up the facade. And as also you've said, who knows there are other players here. Uh, like Anakin Skywalker and Padme he doesn't really want to be killed off at this stage there's a lot of factors here that actually when you think about it, it makes sense that Palpatine projects this image of being very um, uptight, passionate and really fiery about trying to get rid of Padme, he's adamant about it Mm -hmm. so I think it makes a lot of sense when you, as we've discussed right now you connect the factors together that really, there's no ulterior motive he just wants to get Katniss the hell out of there.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and I, let's let's um let's talk a little bit about uh, Anakin and Padme this this episode. You kind of alluded to that, and we talked a little bit about how it it might, you know, affect Bail Organa, but in this this episode, we kind of see them. They're not being <laughs> very smart about it. <laughs> you know, Anakin is is in her office. Um, and then he's hiding behind the <laughs> behind the table, <laughs> which is a great scene. It's a great scene of, of Anakin Skywalker, Jedi Knight, Hero of the Republic, cho- the Chosen One, and he's hiding behind the desk from Bail Organa and C3PO, um, not being very smart about it. And then he gives her his lightsaber, and she takes it with him. And it's just. And then of course, uh, you know, do do you think that that Bail Organa got the got a bit of a, a sense of you know hmm, maybe from this? Or was he suspecting it before and this was just more proof to that end?
0: I don't know if he was really suspect- suspecting it before. It's very difficult to really to really identify with that because we haven't seen a lot of Bail Organa on screen with Padme and Anakin. We've only briefly seen him on screen in general in terms of the films and in the Clone Wars. And it's only really next arc the next arc with um you know the political episodes that we get to see more of his character come to the light come to the foreground so to speak mm-hmm. and it's, it is I, I think as you said he, he gets an inkling here because he goes and asks padme questions such as you know what what are you doing with a jedi's lightsaber <laughs> yeah and uh clearly if they weren't in that hostage situation then padme would have been a, a big trouble and and, and dilemma about how to answer that but I guess fortunately for her Cad Bane was more interested in keeping them quiet and things like that so um, she kind of got away with that but I I think I I think that there were suspicions would would you concur with that?
1: Yeah I think this is where Bale sort of starts getting suspicious and he just sort of you know, watches from the sidelines and gets more and more of a sense of that this is going on, so it's not that big a surprise in Revenge of the Sith for him. You know, he's not like running around going, What? How is this possible? He sort of <laughs> knows what had happened and, and you know, and in some of the legend stuff that was set immediately after Revenge of the Sith, specifically, um the the novel Dark Lord Rise of Darth Vader you get a you get a, a sequence from Bail Organa's perspective where it's kind of alluded to that you know Anakin and Padme's relationship was, was you know one of those you know one of the worst kept secrets in the Senate but it was one of those things that nobody really talked about but everybody knew about. Um, that's quite interesting. Yeah, I have to I, I, give I, that novel a read. I feel like that might have been just James Lucino putting his uh, his own own spin on it. I don't know if that's you know I don't know if the story group would agree with that uh, nowadays. Um, maybe
0: it's in the Legends universe. Yeah, like.
1: well, it's, it is. It's, it's Legends, but you know, maybe this is something that, that you know people like Bail Organa or Mon Mothma who are friends with Padme. And you know, obviously, would eventually get a sense, get a chance to, uh, <laughs> you know, would get a sense that you know, Anakin and Padme, that there's something more there. They may not know to the quite the extent that they're married and, and stuff, but you know, they 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 probably sense that there is at least some you know friends with benefits going on in, in there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, in fairness, they don't <laughs> they don't really hide it very well, as we. So with the Senate spy episode, when they're both arguing with each other in the middle of the Senate chamber, yeah. for goodness sake, surely yeah. someone with eyes must be looking and thinking, oh, gosh, who's that? Is that yeah. Padme and Anakin? That should be in a tabloid, shouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Conspiracy, Anakin and Padme's secret relationship.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, here's, a, here's a question that, we sh- that really should go to the story group. Um, how did Orsin get out of jail?
0: Oh, that's a good one. That's <laughs> a very, very good question, actually. That's that's never really touched upon at yeah, all. Yeah, it's sort of, never, she goes really.
1: into jail and assassin, and she's back out in this, and there's not that much time between assassin and this. So I feel like there's a story there. I feel like you know, I feel she, like that
0: would be more interesting than evil plan. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah, it, really. that was a serious thought, that why could we at least see then Cad Bane recruiting... His gang yeah, his gang. Of, yeah. of of, of upper uh, bounty hunters because obviously they seem quite amicable at the time but obviously bounty hunters are, are all based on self-interest aren't they self-indulgent yeah. really that's what they are and they don't necessarily like working in teams that could have been an interesting story but i, I do you have a theory about this then i I've, I, I wonder it. if maybe Bane
1: broke her out because we know that Cad Bane has has done that. We saw we see that in uh in season four with the whole uh, uh the uh, Moralo Yval arc. Um, so we know yeah. that it's it, that Bane's done this before, or that he's he has the capacity to do it. So, I, and I wonder, you know, we knew we know that there was going to be a, a bounty hunter's arc in season six before the show was uh, canceled. Um, and that a lot of work had actually been done on that, but I wonder if it may have been alluded to in that, that, you know, maybe Cad Bane, because it would have featured, I think it would have featured Cad Bane and Orr saying, working with Boba Fett and, and some other, other, and some other other bounty hunters. Um, but, uh, maybe it would have been alluded to in that, but I wonder if Bane had some hand in it, and, you know, this, I, I wonder if almost, you know, for this story and for other things, like, you know, how the, the split up between, uh Count Count Dooku and, and Pre Vizsla. I wonder if you know the time for those stories to have been released has actually passed, and that these may just be go down as some of the mysteries of, of Star Wars. That you know the only time, the only place they may get sort of answered is like Star Wars Insider fiction, you know, <laughs> like stuff like that. That mm-hmm. might be the one place where they could be really told. Because I just I don't even see them working as like a, a, a or them being able to promote them properly as even you know miniseries in, in, in the comic books or anything or, or i doubt there'd be a novel i think really if they want to tell these stories uh you know somebody's got to get in touch with the jonathan Rinsler and, and get get those books in there <laughs> get those get some short stories an in, in insider to tell that because i kind of feel like the chance you know there was a chance you know when the show was still on the air that they could have you know put out a comic book or 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 something mm-hmm. um and I just kind of wonder if, you know, the time for this story has passed and it's just going to go on as something that, in, that we just don't know. And you know, something we can speculate about and something we can guess about. And, you know, maybe they can, they can answer it in some way, like, you know, Bane alluding to it. And in that bounty hunter arc, if we ever get to see something that tells that story, um, novel or comic or whatever, um, but you never know. the
0: deleted scenes or yeah. special features in that Clone Wars DVD. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that. Oh,
1: we talked, if you haven't listened to the, the Star Wars Underworld podcast from a few weeks ago, we had this discussion about, uh, like, if there were finished Clone Wars scenes, not complete episodes or not even necessarily complete episode arcs, but if there were just finished scenes, would you want to see those? Or would you rather not because it would be too painful?
0: <laughs> that is, that, that's a bit like when you see the trailer released, it just heightens your excitement, but it doesn't really satisfy it. Do you yeah. see where I'm coming from? Yeah. So, I, I, as much as it would be nice, I can kind of see your point there where it would also just be more heartbreaking yeah. than this. Well, at the end of the like, day,
1: oh. at the end of the day, I would rather they release it. And this is the, the the analogy I used on the Star Wars Underworld podcast: is that I would rather have a small piece of cake than no cake at all. And of course, this all comes back to cake in this arc. Um, but you know, I I would rather.
0: But <laughs> well, you wouldn't want to have miss out on the Jogan fruit. Yeah,
1: you? <laughs> it's it's kind of the same thing as Detours. You know, I'd rather see it than than not see it, even if it's you know, even though, but Detours is a little bit different because there are like forty episodes, but. You know they were planning on making even more. Um, it's yeah. one of those things I would still like to see it. But anyways, anyways, that's beside the point <laughs> for this right now. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, they, resc- of course, uh, they rescue, of course. They rescue Zero the Hut, and then. Cad Bane says to Zero that he has to pay up. Is Cad Bane essentially swindling Zero there cuz you know he's getting paid by the High Council to do this. Um, and obviously this episode is was written by the <laughs> written beforehand. So he's kind of, you know, getting twice the money for the single, for one job.
0: <laughs> of course he is. Cad Bane it's very very opportunistic as a bounty hunter. Of course, that's that's pretty much their motto. They just want the money, don't they? Yeah. If he's asking zero for money, it makes sense. He's surely going to have a lot of it, and I, I I think that's that's a valuable thing to do. To be honest, the, the huts don't even necessarily need to know he's already being paid by Java. But if he can hang on a minute and get a few more here from zero, Uh, he owes me one definitely for helping him escape yeah cad bane has no loyalties at anyone we know that <laughs> we see that for later in hunt for zero yep. when <laughs> he he again um gets paid by the hut family to go and find him again you know because he's escaped so uh, cad bane is just looking at every opportunity he can to just increase that that income of his by any methods necessary so uh, what do you think about that? Have you got any? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure about I'm, it.
1: I'm sure he's just he's like, I can make twice the money on this, so I zero better pay up, and the hut council better payoff. Um.
0: So yeah. only, a good, only the good bounty hunters would do that for goodness sake. You have to be awful if you think, oh, oh, well, there's an opportunity here. But I'll just be nice and. You know.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um. One, one. last thing I want to point out about this, about this episode. It's not really a discussion, but I just kind of thought found this interesting. This, this watching it again. Um. When Cadman kills kills the uh the guards at the beginning, and then one of his droids takes on the voice of of, of the guard to sort of report in as what happened. Uh, you know, he says uh, protesters... The, this, this, what happened was there were protesters against the war and they've been taken care of. And it's sort of like, wow, the Republic does not like protesters against the war if they're going to kill them over it, <laughs> essentially. Uh, it well, was, I don't
0: think that's really... I hope it wasn't as dark as that. Perhaps it was just, you know... just we scared all, them off. Yeah. Although, in fairness, it, it might have been sometimes what police do to try and, well, whether it works, to tame crowds, like, have a couple of shots in the air. doesn't necessarily mean that they, like, shot them, but yeah. it just means they, they did a couple of warning shots to say, back off, back off. Maybe that's what I thought they were alluding to, but yeah. <laughs> who knows? Maybe they just thought, solid we hate you protesting. Yeah, we're going to kill you. Um,
1: anyways. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, anyways. Anything else you want to bring up about, a uh, uh, hostage crisis before we move on to Hunt for Zero? Um,
0: not, not too much, really. I think the only thing I would say is it was—you must have found it pretty interesting. to see Anakin Skywalker without his lightsaber—it was a, a completely different obstacle that he had to overcome. And he ultimately got—he got found out and electrocuted for it, didn't he? But <laughs> um, what did, I, I guess just for a comment on the on the whole chase scene, and it was—it was really quite quite exciting. I thought.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was great. It was uh, the, the whole just the all the action in this episode was just fantastic. It was yeah, it's the the standout episode from this entire arc, of course. Um, it was season
0: 2 quality as you said. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right,
1: let's let's move on to to Hunt for, for Zero. So this is the picks up yeah, two seasons later, but not actually. Um uh, and and this is the episode where we are finally introduced to uh, on the series, uh the legendary See what I did there, Quinlan Vos. Um, who? So he's sort of he's the character that yeah, that you know he was seen in the background in the Phantom Menace and then was sort of retconned into being uh, this this Jedi who worked undercover in the the, the underworld and uh, he was very made very popular popular in the Republic comic series uh, that that John Ostrander and Jan Duras did. Uh, and that led to him showing up on the show, which means he is actually canon. Um, and, and he got mentioned in, in *Revenge of the Sith* as well. Uh, Mast- of Boss has moved to Strobes. Boss pity. Um, and so I don't know if if you had any uh, familiarity with the character beforehand, and and we'll talk about the episode on a whole in, in a second. But I just want to focus in on this character because he's pretty. Uh, it's a pretty big deal that he showed up. I don't know if you had any familiarity with him beforehand, and if he lived up to the hype at all.
0: Yeah, Quinlan Voss is always a character that I knew about, but I didn't know a lot about him, if yeah. you see what I mean. It's a name that was spread around a lot, and I'd obviously seen the brief appearance in episode one, uh, obviously the allusion into episode three, and I'd seen a number of images really cast around of his character in the comics, but I never actually read a, a comic which was centred around Quinlan Voss. But there's so this, Definitely something about him, though. I mean, the, the Star Wars fan community that it, it built a whole, almost uh, universe just surrounding Quinlan Vos. There's been so much material that's been released about a character that was
1: never in the films.
0: Only, <laughs> <or barely. laughs> yeah, well, he was barely in the films, exactly. Which is exactly the same as Aura Singh, really, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, they make one on-screen appearance, and then there's what spans from it is just an collection of books and all sorts of novels comic books it's just it is quite fascinating to see how the expanded universe at the time worked in that way it was uh, they literally fixated on the character and and just wrote so much literature on this character expanded so much um but i get and obviously now we know that there's going to be another novel featuring yeah. <laughs> Quinlan Voss with a Sarge Ventress. So it continues Based on. on. Stri- scripts, yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, so in terms of my knowledge about his character before, it was very, very limited. And we'll touch upon his his character in the show in a second. But I'll, I'll ask you then, did you really know much about Quinlan Voss before he showed up on The Clone Wars?
1: Yeah, I, I was kind of the same way as you. I'd sort of heard of him, I knew of him. I knew that there was this big... Uh, you know, that a lot of people liked him, and a lot of people wanted him to show up on, on the show. And, you know, when, when it was at Celebration 5, before uh, Season 3 aired, a lot of people asked, you know, is Quinlan Voss going to show up? And at the time, they just sort of went, well, maybe, you never know, keep watching the show, find out um of course you know really they could have revealed it i think that would have been a, a cool thing to reveal although uh, they went with the republic commandos and ultimately i think that was a better better reveal um but <laughs> uh, for for an eu thing making its way into the into the the, the show um and i know that some people uh, felt that his portrayal on the series was not um all that faithful to how he was shown in the uh in the comics i think they felt he Came across a bit too uh, surfer dude uh, at times, you <laughs> know, when he called Obi Wan man and stuff like that. But I do think they kept in, you know, certain things like his tracking ability, his ability, you know, to to touch an object and see um, images uh, as a result of it. That that's that comes from the EU and his whole the, this whole thing that he is very familiar with the underworld and that he's sort of a a bit of an estranged Jedi or or. Also comes
0: from yeah, to unconventional, yeah, unconventional,
1: unconventional. All that comes from the EU. So I do think they did a, a pretty good job of, of of sort of melding him into the to the more into the canon universe essentially. And it'll be interesting to see when that novel comes out. You know how much of his backstory from the, the EU from Legends uh, gets preserved um, in the in the new canon, um, and that'll just be something we'll have to see uh, when the <laughs> when the book comes out. Whenever I guess that's summer of next year. Um, yeah it's weird you know if you think about it's totally off topic but you think about you know on the one hand it seems like oh man December 2015 seems so far away but then on the other hand it's like well if you just look at what's coming down the line just even just looking at the publishing schedule it's like it's actually not that far away because <laughs> we got a new dawn that just came out then Tarkin uh and then and then then this year's over and then we go into heir to the Jedi, lords of the sith and then this it's, and then all of a sudden it's summer and we're getting this novel that we was just announced, you know, last month or, or two months ago, and it's just ah. Uh, and then we're summer and then it's just like four months till the movie. It's just, it, it makes don't they, half, And on one, top one, of that, rebels in the yeah, meantime, yeah, with rebels so. throwing in there as well. I, I just think about it that way and I'm like, wow, it really isn't that long because you know, it's not long till that book comes out. And then it's not long after that book comes out, the movie comes out. And it's just, oh, just to think about it that way. Anyways, that was totally, uh, totally off topic. But, um
0: yeah. Let's, I'll, we'll, I'll quickly interject there and, and ask you another question. It's like, obviously, you didn't know much about Quinlan Boss before, but were you a fan of his character in the show? Uh
1: Yeah, I did. Uh, there were times where I felt like, okay, well, we could have just done this episode with Anakin. There were, you know, he, him and Anakin had some... Some similarities. Um, but I like the fact that they, they did choose to, to bring in a new Jedi to do something a little bit different. Uh, and, you know, Anakin's supposed to be away on a meditative retreat, whatever that means. Um, so, you know, it makes sense to bring in, in a new Jedi, and it makes sense to bring in Quinlan Voss. And, and to bring in Quinlan Voss, it's sort of like it's a, it's a nod to the fan community that, you know, the, the, we know that this is a character that you like, or this is a character that you want to see, and so we're going to put him in there. And,. And you know they kind of did the same thing with with Delta Squad as we'll see later on in this in the season. And it's just it's a yeah I think it was I, you know his portrayal I I don't know he's not my favorite Jedi um but I didn't dislike him either I don't know how, how did you feel about his portrayal?
0: I actually was really enjoy, I really enjoyed his character to be honest I thought yeah. he was he was as you said. Different to many Jedi, but then I guess the distinctions weren't as dissimilar to, say, Anakin Skywalker, as you've alluded yeah. to there. But it, it worked well, to be honest, and I really enjoyed the juxtaposition between him and Obi-Wan Obi-Wan Kenobi, yeah. Obi-Wan Kenobi who's obviously so straight into the book and not, nothing can depart from that. And I love his line. Well, I don't know if you you might have this line, but he just says he's crazy. You know, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it just sums him up. Because Cody is, says he is a bit um, a bit brash, or you know, he's a he's a bit kinder in his phrasing of him. But then <laughs> um, Kenobi like, "I don't overstate it. He's just crazy," and, <laughs> it, and it really does go to show the uh, opinion Obi Wan has on, on particular Jedi, I guess. But uh, it, it was really. Really great to see the the two interacting with each other, and it it also was a little bit different to Anakin because obviously Quinlan Voss is not his apprentice, so he couldn't necessarily yeah. lambast him in the same way. But at the he, same he still time, tried it, to, it was it was. He still tried to.
1: I, I mean he if you could stick Anakin. if you could stick a land if you could keep tell time as well as you could stick a landing, you know, it's still that's <laughs> something you would have said to Anakin. Um but yeah, I'm, I'm not saying that Quinlan Voss and Anakin are the same character by any stretch. Um I think there are similarities there, but and there were times in this episode where I did feel like it well, we could have just done this with with Anakin and Obi Wan. But at the same time like
0: when he broke that door and just smashed yeah,
1: it. Yeah, exactly. But at the same time, you know, uh-huh. we talked... We talked about, you know, in in the last episode, you know, with Grito, like, you know, just going back to the same characters over and over again sometimes makes the universe feel smaller, whereas the, in this case, we we're kind of making the universe a little bit bigger because we're introducing an, a new character. I mean, he's not really a new character, but he's a new character to the series, and, and so it sort of gives us a broader spectrum to, to play with in terms of the, the characters that, that we can talk about and the characters that we see on the show. So I'm I'm totally fine with that. Um,
0: well, well, the only thing was that he only showed up once in mm-hmm. the series, which, again, well, undermined. And, and I, I wonder why. Do you, I, I why think, do you think that that's an interesting question. But why well, Why do you think he didn't show up again?
1: I think I think he's off on on his doing his own thing essentially. Um, you know, part of I think at the time they were still trying to do their best to you know try and make the EU and the Clone Wars fit together. And, and you know, Quinlan Voss has a, has a pretty um, established or um, story during the Clone Wars of, of doing all this undercover work and stuff. Uh, and I think that's probably what was the idea is that, you know, we see him this one time because they think he can help them, but he's, you know, he goes back, he leaves Obi-Wan, he goes back and he gets into this more undercover stuff. Um, that he's doing in the outer rim, sometimes with the separatists, and, and so um, I think when we we see him show up in the Ventress novel, um, you know, if, if it had been on the series, it may not we may not have gotten as much of a sense because it's it's a novel. There'll be more words. They'll be able to you know explain a little bit more of, of what he was doing. Um, but since we've seen him, and and even before that, you know, because he he says to Obi Wan, how is temple life essentially? saying you know he doesn't live at the temple he's not at the temple very often he's out doing his own thing uh you know in the underworld mm. um and so we'll i think when we get that novel um we'll get a sense of, of where he's being and you know what you know, Ventress is out being very doing a lot of underworld stuff herself so when when so she might just accidentally run into quinlan voss and i think you know that's what you know, it'll be you know it'll be interesting to see when that novel comes out. You know how it how it plays off versus how it would have played as 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 a TV show, um, because you know with the with Darth Maul's son Dathomir, you know it's because it's still visual. You still get it's still very much the same kind of experience. You know we don't get get inside the characters' heads, but when when there's a novel like that, you can really get inside the characters' heads. The characters can remember things that they wouldn't be able to in a comic or in a in a TV show without doing flashbacks. Uh, and so, I think we'll get a lot of detail about what he's been doing, and and how that and how that relates to the the Legends universe, and and how much Christy Golden will be able to bring in, and how much the story group will want to bring in from that. Um, and it'll be interesting to see, because um, I think he does like just. To, fully answer your question i think he's off doing his own thing in the underworld possibly trying to go after sidious um just mm. maybe not necessarily the right way
0: <laughs> no absolutely i think that's uh a really really interesting thesis that you've got there i yeah. didn't i didn't really think about that at all to be honest but uh, as i said i wasn't I i haven't read much about Gwyn and boss in the in the expanded universe, or the Legends universe, as I should keep calling it. Um, So it it will be very, very interesting and intriguing to see where his character does go after this. And with the novel coming out, it it at least demonstrates the fact that there is this perpetuation of interest surrounding his character, Mm -hmm. even now, um, even after his brief... and. One appearance in the Clone Wars. It's and obviously with all the EU stuff, it's still an attractive character for many people. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to it. I don't know about yourself, mate, but I'm sure you're also looking oh, forward yeah. to this novel. Uh, absolutely, absolutely.
1: Uh, well, let's talk about the episode on a, on a whole now, I, 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 and sort of do you know what we do for every episode. And you know, what was your overall impression of this one, and, and has it changed since you last saw it,
0: or since you I've, first
1: saw it? I should say.
0: Yeah, I. I think it was a it was a really good episode. I I usually enjoy Hunt for Zero. I enjoyed it at the start. Um, I think what it makes it a little bit different to some of the previous episodes in this arc is it's not action packed akin to Hostage Crisis. But there is certainly a point to it, and and it's it's a bit like a wild goose chase. You've got a number of people mm-hmm. that are are looking for Zero to Hope, who has obviously uh, been liberated again <laughs> <laughs> because he's been already been put in jail once he's freed um, by Size Snoodles, Snoodles, I should say, and. Oh yeah, I'm I'm really uh, I don't know why, but I'm quite endeared to this episode. The characters as well, I I enjoy with Quinlan Voss and Obi Wan. Their interaction, you get to see Cad Bane again, which you know you can never be, ro- you can never really go wrong with Cad Bane, I have to say, apart from with evil plans. <laughs> but uh, and and you get to see Now Hutter for the first time, yeah. meeting the Hut Hut Council, the Hut Council, which is fantastic, and also the atmosphere. Now, that little rendition from Indiana Jones: The Temple of Doom. Yeah, ha- have you seen Indiana Jones? Shut up.
1: <laughs> I have. Oh, I got shit. the movies out. I have them. I, they're sitting within arm's reach. I've just not actually gotten around to putting one in the in the DVD player and, and actually watching
0: it. I just just uh... just wait for the hate to come into post now, mate. <laughs> <laughs> All the people listening to this. Uh, no, the serious point is that, um, there was a rendition for a, it was a song at the beginning of the Temple of Doom, which was a complete emulation of what Cy si Snoo- Snoodles, is it Snoodles?
1: Snoodles? Sno- si Snoodles, How? I think it's Cy si Snoodles, That's,
0: yeah. yeah. Not snoodles like noodles. That's not what I was going for.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know anymore. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you don't know where this conversation is going. But anyway, <laughs> all I was saying is that rendition at the at the beginning of Hunt for Zero. It was, that that just felt re- really Star Warsy in a way. A bit yeah. Into Jabba the Hutt in Episode Six when you've got Size Noodles again singing. So it, it did feel like a a short but sweet Star Wars episode, and that was a very long-winded answer because I touched upon loads of stuff in the episode, but um, what were your initial impressions of the episode?
1: Yeah, I... I, See, there's a lot I I like about this one, but there are some things that I also really don't like, and in, in a way... I don't know. There's something about it that it feels more evil plans than a hostage crisis to be perfectly honest. Um you know, I go through the list of of things that I do like, you know, the the fight at the end, the whole the intrigue with with the zeros, uh zeros hollow diary and you know, the the twist with Cy Snoodles and and, and all this. I mean, you get Quinlan Voss, um, you know, his character and, and what he does and his interactions with Obi-Wan, but it just I felt like there was a lot of good stuff in there, but it just didn't click for me, and it still hasn't. To be perfectly honest, um, I, d- I don't dislike this episode, but I, it, it's not anywhere near my my top ten. M- maybe not even my top fifty, uh, if you know what I mean. In, in that sense, <laughs> yeah. So you're you're a bit. Mixed about it, really. Yeah, really. I, cause, like there, there is, I, I, and really, I think the thing that that gets me is is, is Mama the Hut, and it just felt, <laughs> to be honest, it just felt so out of place. I don't mind. I, I have no problems with Zero. I think Zero is is quite, quite funny and and quite and I think he fits in the Star Wars universe, but I didn't feel like like Mama the Hut did. I th- I think she felt a bit too much like a caricature of of a hut, and I think Zero works because he's so the opposite of what you expect. But of the Hut felt like something you would see on Family Guy or Robot Chicken or Detours, and not something that I feel fits in with what I expect for for huts. Because like I said, she seemed like a caricature. But she's just so Wait, no, massive that, that, and, and and so massive, and her voice is so deep, and just, it just didn't didn't work for me. And it kind of it is sort of the the thing that that kind of makes the episode fall apart for me. To be perfectly did honest. See,
0: so uh, this is linked to it, but did you see the size of the father though in comparison? Yeah,
1: compared <laughs> to yeah, it's like. She's just like really well. I mean, you know, zero zero says you know, you know geez, uh, Papa ran away, um, so clearly Mama <laughs> let herself go once that happened. Uh, <laughs> no, I just have a bad image
0: in my mind now. Yeah, like, uh... <laughs> but anyway. Well,
1: uh, I was I was, was going to uh, ask it's not you quite like last night.
0: Nine, nine yeah, there,
1: yeah? <laughs> yeah, no, not yet. <laughs> I was going to ask you how, how do you feel about about Mama the high Do you think she fits, or do you think she's not quite, not quite right for for, for the story.
0: <laughs> I I think you raise a good point there, and that that was the thing that I didn't like about the episode. But I I really enjoyed it. I I wouldn't put it as, as you said in the top ten or twenty, but I I did really really enjoy it. Um, I'm trying to pin down exactly what it is, but I just think the flow of the episode, I thought, actually was quite good. And it, and it did feel, apart from the Mum of the Hut stuff, it did feel like a proper Star Wars episode. Um But the Mum of the Hut, one, why, uh, why was she speaking English? That's bugged me a little bit. Because I know Zero does, but surely all the other ones don't. Mm-hmm. So if it's ancient Huttese, surely their ancestors would speak the Hatti's form of language more than zero. Who's living in Coruscant? So perhaps he would adapt a bit more. That was a little bit off. Unless yeah. the father did. I don't know. That that bugged me a little bit. Why we didn't have to speak like a man either. Um, <laughs> there was there was really no need for that. Um, and wh- why why was she there? What does she do? What, I mean, honestly, she just sits she sits there in a you know, with those bug creatures or whatever in her house mm-hmm. and that's it. Um, I mean, if Zero says it's the one place that Gardula would never show up. Well, then why? I don't understand the purpose of her. Maybe they just want to keep her around because they want to keep their mother alive but they never go to see her. Then it just seems, <laughs> it just seems unnecessary. Did they need, they didn't need to have a mum or dad. The only purpose of it was so that Zero could get the starship and leave and then it would be just a a, a useful yeah, tool for I, I, everyone else to go and ask just, her and say, yeah. "Where's Zero? Where's Zero? That's the only purpose." She's never ever gonna come back again. And to be honest, i I'm with you. I probably don't want to see her again <laughs> because she yeah, I would have
1: rather anything. Yeah, I would have rather seen you know Zero and size noodles you know steal a ship or something and then you know have Obi Wan and Quinlan Vos. You know, and you have Quinlan Vos there with his ability. He could have you know picked up something that, you know, zero had touched or, or, or placed his hand on the wall that zero, you know, like there were, there's all kinds of different possibilities for something like that. And I, I think that, that this was just a, uh, it was a poor decision. It, I, not a decision that I, and, and ultimately it, it, it didn't affect the episode in a positive way for me. Um, but, uh, let, let's move on. Let's talk about, about zero a little bit. He has this, this diary, uh, this, of, you know, nefarious things that the hut council has done um so obviously he has leverage over them uh, but he also seems to have this sort of like hatred for gardula is, is you know we know that zero is his job as uncle um is does that make gardula his sister Is is she just a business associate it, it seems uh a bit I, i'm curious because they keep bringing her up, I and mean, what is her relationship to Zero? Is is there is there a story there? You know, it seems like they're very well, maybe.
0: Yeah, I, I'm sure they're all related. Um, yeah. I, 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 well, they all look similar anyway, so yeah. to an extent. Apart from the the guy who looks like Don Vito from The Godfather. I don't know if you caught that one at <laughs> yeah, all. yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounded know. like him as well. Yeah. Um, I'm. I'm, I'm trying to think back now to the Darth Plagueis novel because I know there was obviously the rivalry between Java and Gardula over Tatooine. That was clear. But it oh, I'm sure it said something about the relationship between those two characters. I, I'm sure they're more than business associates, but <laughs> I'm more interested to see what exactly the Zero had there that was going yeah. to be used. And actually, asking you the question on top of that, do you believe him? Was that actually going to show up at the Senate door? Because where it was in Teff, I don't think so. <laughs> like,
1: no. well, I mean, <laughs> how I, I was I that going to show up at the Senate I, I, door? Like, I think, no one
0: knew where the hell it was.
1: Well, Zero, I think Zero's kind of, you know, he has connections, so he would have been able to tell someone what to do yeah. and how to go retrieve it for him, and that he would have paid them very well. And, and I don't know if he would have necessarily done that, but that's just sort of what it is for him is this is just leverage. Because as long as he has it, he can make that threat that he will provide evidence to bring down that council or bring down members of that council. And so I, 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 don't, I, I don't know if he necessarily that one time would have followed through on the threat, but he, he just has that there because he, they know that he can follow through on, on the threat. Um, and, but I, what I think is, is really interesting is that when Sai Noodles eventually retrieves it, is that she takes it to Jabba on Tatooine. She doesn't take it to the council. She nice. takes it to Jabba. So just Java is—is is that Java acting on behalf of the council, or are they acting on behalf of himself? Was was maybe Sice Noodles his own agent, hired to, think, to go I think and that's do this? What they
0: were
1: what they were implying there. Yeah, and that Java wants it so he can have that leverage, and that's how he'll become, you know, the most powerful hut in the outer room.
0: Exactly, that makes complete sense. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, there would be absolutely no need to go to Java if it was going to go to the council. Council's all on Al Hutter, that's what you would think. Um and Sice Noodles allegedly was working for the Hunt Council. Um I have to say, she didn't get much money for her job. I I look, I look at how yeah. much it's been <laughs> yeah. to Cad Bane. Really I mean Cad Bane was given a whole briefcase. Yeah, she was and, doing like a couple. <laughs> yeah, look. I mean <laughs> And it, she it, was doing a harder job, I thought, you know? Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's clear that, you know, uh payment inequality is not something that only does not does not just plague our own world, it plagues the galaxy far far away as well. I mean, you know. Yeah
0: size uh, noodles would must be really annoyed if she ever saw how much uh, cat cat bank bank. But uh, yeah, that, that you know bloody, you want the yeah. best ones at a premium price, mate. That's what you say. I guess. Yeah. <laughs>
1: uh, well, uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about size noodles. I mean, she. Uh, this was kind of interesting. This was sort of, you know, we saw them do this, with, you know, bringing Greedo and and do exactly what we expect to see with him. With, with size noodles, they kind of brought her in, and they they changed her. They made her seem seem different. So I liked the inclusion of her better than than the inclusion of, uh, of Greedo. Not to, again, not to say there was anything wrong with the inclusion of Greedo, but I thought this was very interesting that they would bring her back like this, um, to to, to, to and give her a totally new per um, you know, backstory and, and personality that you know she's she's capable of doing this. Wouldn't you agree? <laughs>
0: Oh, <laughs> I I still thought you were uh, talking there. Forget that. Cut that bit out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Three, two, one. Yeah, I I think I will agree to be honest. I think the size little storyline in this in this episode is just it is a bit strange. I mean, apart from the fact that she's obviously helping Java, that whole relationship with Zero to height is just a bit ugh. It's a bit... It's <laughs> it, strange, it, but, you know. Yeah, a bit a bit surreal, to be honest. I guess it, it can, in a way, fit into the Star Wars universe. You don't... You know, I'm not being speciest. I'm just saying that it's not, it's not your typical relationship. Um, it's nice, nice, noodles and zero to half. It's not what you were expecting. <laughs> I mean, no. It's, it's, it's a bit unorthodox, I guess, is how, how I would put it. But, uh, I mean, were you of the opinion that... Zero was using her all the way, or did you sense that Size Noodles was using him? Did, was there I, you
1: know, any? I I, I I never picked on up on the idea that she was was using him. I didn't I didn't see that coming. Uh, I thought they were they were essentially going to be working as a team, and I I didn't I didn't think he was even going to betray her either. I I thought it was more just that they were um that they were going to be this new team of. Well, maybe even a team of bounty hunters, almost. Or, you know, I, I didn't see a betrayal coming from either of them, and and so when it did happen, I was, I was surprised, if, to be perfectly honest. I was.
0: I mean, it's a quite a good surprise, though. Yeah. You need those in TV shows. Yeah, absolutely. Um, although I was just disappointed. I uh, don't know about your reaction. I just, I mean, I was starting to like Zero at this point, and then Hell they yeah. kill him off, and it's just, oh, it's difficult. But you do that in all good. I guess you have to, you know, sometimes get rid of the, the beloved characters to to really expand the storyline and, and and actually grip people a lot more. But yeah. oh, with with zero.
1: That was a new thing.
0: Were you sad yeah. to see him go in the end? Yeah, I, like I, see, I,
1: I, I, I never had a problem with Zero in, in the beginning. I, I, you know, in the movie or or, or anything, I never had I never had issue, an issue with him. I thought the people that did have an issue with him. Either um, you know had too narrow a view for what is Star Wars, and they wanted all huts to be a carbon copy of Jabba, which is boring. Let's be honest, it's boring. Mm -hmm. Um, Or they were um, reading into his voice and letting their own, and they and then you know people who were saying, "Oh, he sounds gay." We'll just say it. You know, they they were saying that, and which is totally offensive and totally you know not. Not cool. That's not something you should be complaining about. And you know, when this episode aired, I I heard someone talking about how you know they 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 were kind of worried that this was you know that this was the, the production crew, um, you know deal you know addressing the complaints of or or you know pandering to the the homophobes essentially who were against him for for sounding that way or, or for thinking that. Um, and I don't necessarily think that's the case, um, but I, I think that you know, either people with Zero, because he was so different, either they took some getting used to and, and I think a lot of people turned the corner by the time this episode aired um, on Zero, where they they, under, they could appreciate him as a, as a new addition to the saga, and I think, you know, when he came out people either just were not expecting it, or they were being stupid, um, which yeah. you know, it's unfortunate, but people are stupid sometimes, and anyways, uh, so yeah I, I was never against Zero, and And, and, you know, every time he appeared, he he grew on me. I, I, you know, I never, you know, I already started from a place of of liking the character. And so I was never, never against him. And so I was, yeah, I was like you, I was sad to see him go. I, he was a, he was a fun character. It was was interesting. It's a shame they couldn't have kept him around a little bit longer. It would have been interesting to see him, like (laughs) to see
0: a scene between like him and Darth Maul or something. It would have been very interesting to see. I think it's regretful as well because by the time, for example, Hostage Crisis aired, I expect they were in the process of writing Season 3, and that's pretty much conveyed in the featurette that they have for Hostage Crisis when Faloney foreshadows that we may be seeing huts in the future, so clearly they were thinking about it. Yeah. Um, but you do wonder actually how much Zero's death is related to the the fan yeah. the fandom f- fandom really how how, how much the judgment of the fans really swayed Clone Wars production team into perhaps accelerating the end of zero to hut that that's, you know, that's that's a legitimate uh, that's a legitimate verdict to take actually I wouldn't I wouldn't be too surprised about that but as you said in terms of the whole homophobe thing I don't think that was really the reason I just think it was in general not necessarily the most liked character, but you know, it did also work in a way. Um, how, how he, and he, I, th- I think how he ended it, 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 it was fitting because actually, again, in terms of the plot, how much further could you be extended? Yeah, and magnified upon Zero's story because obviously now they found the, the, the hollow net. What else was there for him because he couldn't go anywhere apart from staying in the cell, if you think about yeah. it that way.
1: Yeah, no, And you know, one of my things, I think I just can't stand is, is, is when studios um, or, or production teams pander to fans, whether it's killing off characters or giving characters, certain characters more, because that's usually when things go wrong, to be perfectly honest, that's when things go wrong, I, and, you know, and, you know, when you listen to the initial reaction, like, of people not liking a character, then you know, you don't give them the chance to to let that character grow on them, and Zero was one of those characters that grew on people, and people came around, and, you know, especially the the ones that were just surprised by him, and, you know, a lot of times our initial reactions to things that surprise us is to to dislike it, because, I mean, you look at the character like Hondo Onaka... That was a character that I think we both agreed with. Someone that we weren't really too keen on the first time we saw him, and so if no. we had have you know made a big stink about it and they killed him off in season four, then we would we would have never have seen so many great episodes with him, you know. And so, and you know, we can look at examples in in, in movies and, and TV all over the place of of you know fan pandering that turns into a you know results in a lesser product and uh you know one thing i've always praised george lucas for is he never gave into it you know if george lucas listens to the fans uh after the phantom menace came out um you know 2002 would not have seen attack of the clones it would have seen star wars episode one again the the redone version where it was (laughs) totally new cast totally new story uh you know, Anakin would have turned into Darth Vader, you know, 20 minutes into it, and the rest of the, the rest of the prequels would have been just the Darth Vader, Darth Vader hunting Jedi story. Um, but instead, we got the actual story that, uh, of what happened, and, and I'm glad that we did, because that, I find fan pandering just so, so irritating, and 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 I don't, and you know, there's a difference between you know nodding the, the giving the fans a nod nod of the cap or or, or tip of the cap you know like including someone like Quinlan Voss in a story that's not that's not pandering um, but if you were to you know kill off Jar Jar that would might be considered pandering and yeah. and that's part of the reason I, I kind of am against ever seeing a um, unaltered original trilogy release because I think mm. that's just you know, fan giving, pandering. Fan pandering, yeah. And I think that's that's weak. I, I mean, I, I
0: agree to a certain extent. I think it's just, for me personally, I, I can think of an example. In ter- I, again, whether you guys watch the show, I don't know. But, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, Spike was one of my favorite characters. And when I watched the behind the scenes, Joss Whedon often says that he was a character that was going to be killed off in season two. Uh, obviously he was a recurring character in 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 in the future seasons um, and became became a fan favourite so I feel and and again that was principally because the fans loved his character so much that Joss Whedon changed his mind and decided not to kill him so it is getting the balance I guess, I think it's important sometimes to listen to the fans if, if you can do, to get an idea of the reception but I also agree that you shouldn't like the charger example, we shouldn't just kill off a character because yeah. fans have said, "Oh, I don't like him," based on initial impressions. As you said, if everything was done on based on initial impressions, then loads of characters would be killed off. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same way, actually, that I can relate this to football, for example, is that how how fans view footballers. If if what they see in the first ten games is rubbish, and then the manager said, "Just listen to the fans," then half of them. Fantastic footballers that finally came came out to the crop would uh, yeah no, would no longer <laughs> exist because people because people would just say get rid of them. Yeah. It's the same way there with people as you characters in the Star Wars universe like Honda and Arca. So yeah, it, it, I think it is important to note that, and I think to an extent though Disney are listening to fans as much as they can. Yeah, but well, not there's just which is obvious with yeah. the expanded universe. Now being labeled the Legends Universe and making a clear distinction between canon and non-canon.
1: Yeah, no, there's there's a there's a fine line between you know listening to fans taking in taking into consideration what fans want and and pandering. And I I, I hesitate to even put the killing off Zero as as necessarily pandering, um, but there are you know it, it's it's sort of on the edge there where you can see you can see it both ways.
0: Um, well, it was obvious what we could say is that there was. Negative reception around there, and it is a legitimate claim that, that you could state it was down to fan pandering because it was obvious he wasn't a loved car- character. Um, mm. That's true. Whether it is or, um, or, or authentic is, is is a matter for debate, but you can see it being mm. the case. So that's I think that's the point we're trying to raise here.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's 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 the point. Um, and uh, last thing I want to ask you about is kind of. Spans the entire entire trilogy of episodes is, is the Hut Council. Um, obviously, this is a, an allusion to the, the Godfather films. Um, sorry, uh, but I, I, I just I, I I'm curious as to what you thought of them because I was kind of I don't know it, it seemed it, it was interesting and it, it seemed interesting, but I kind of I don't know I always pictured the Huts as more just kind of individual individual crime lords, and they didn't necessarily communicate with each other in, in such a way that they weren't like a the huts aren't an organization they are you, you know individuals um, and, and you know again this is kind of a you know a forget the old way moment where you know okay well yeah I the huts aren't individuals they are this this council uh, um, but I'm curious what you thought of them
0: yeah it was a very very Different concept, I think that, mm-hmm. that we've been introduced to, but I think it worked quite well actually. And the idea of having yeah. a, a council of huts who are they're obviously related to each other, and in particularly in important matters such as uh, dealing with other members of this council or dealing with other huts, then you think there must be some form of communication. It was, a, it, I mean, this seems like a uh, a rare situation almost because of the profoundness and, and and the importance of the mission at hand um, obviously Cad Bane alluded to that in Evil Plans when he was talking with Jabba and um, the, the protocol droid there said they will have to communicate with the Hutt Council which Bane then replied with oh, your, your assignment must be serious then. Mm. Clearly this is something that is quite seldom but if ever there is a collaboration of the council, then it's very, very salient. It's very, yeah. very significant and must be taken seriously. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I can imagine that. And a bit like that, with the Godfather, they obviously had their families. They also had huge rivalries. And just because you're on the council doesn't make you immune to anything, which is obvious with Zero. You know, he was quickly cast away and put in a cell by the council. Which you... So it makes sense though that there is because in most societies you find. Even back when I look back at history, studying it, that there is always this sort of um, higher on a society. These aristocrats, the people who are sometimes just below the leader, um, who who reside in a lot of the power. Akin to say the Communist Party in the Soviet Union. Obviously, they were mm-hmm. a council um, more than anything else, uh, or they grew to be that way after Stalin hit the nail on the head, so to speak. And, 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 and societies kind of rule like that. And that's the same way the Hut Council is. It is a, a galaxy-wide institution, quite clearly, with Jabber and Tatooine. I know a lot of the res huts reside in now Hutter, but you had Zero and Coruscant, and there has to be some form of, form of communication. Uh, but, you, I, I know you, you kind of mentioned it a little bit, but do you want to elaborate at all on your thoughts with the Hut Council?
1: Yeah, well, I, you know, it was it was something that that definitely surprised me. Uh because I I didn't like I said, I I didn't see them as as sort of this this group, this network. I saw them as just kind of individuals that all just happened to be of the same species. But, you know, think about it, it does make sense that, you know, these all these individuals of the same species would probably have some kind of, you know, this sense of maybe they they they'd, but they'd often just, interact, they'd, interact with each yeah, other. Yeah, they interact with each other, and you know they're all crime lords and stuff. So you know, it was surprising and it makes sense. And you know, I, I'm not I'm not against it. I, I think it's a it's a good moment. It, I think it's a, a good idea, and it makes sense. And and I I like that they included it. So I'm I, I was just kind of surprised by it when I first heard of it. And it's you know it's they're obviously doing this this allusion to the, the Godfather, which is which is cool. But it you know I you know, at the same time, it would have been nice to go down a, a different path, because, you know, they're already, you know, just the fact that they're crime lords, you, you can make that illusion and stuff. But, I, I you know, like I said, no, not against it, it was just surprising more than anything to me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But, a good surprise, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah. Alright, Um. so, uh, last thing I want to bring up is just uh, that, how cool that fight was at the end of it, between the Cadet yes. and Quinlan Vos and, and Obi-Wan Kenobi, just that... That, that, the, the two on one, how Bane was able to hold his own was, was really great. It was just a fantastic moment for the series as a whole. Cause I, I remember seeing the, uh, the, the San Diego Comic Con trailer for, for season three. And it just, it had that moment with Cad Bane with the lightsaber. I just, I just remember seeing that and thinking, oh my God, what is going on there? And how is this happening? This is so cool. <laughs> um, so it was, it was, a. Uh, yeah, it was it was a great moment.
0: <laughs> um, oh, it was a spectacular fight, and it really just illustrated the the growth in in detail animation, in, but also just the fight sequences from this point forward are just exceptional. Um, I mean, when we get onto the Night Sisters trilogy, wow! But uh, this was certainly a, a sign of things to come. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly, exactly. So, is there anything else you'd like to bring up about this arc as a whole? Uh,
0: well, uh, one brief question, maybe. I don't know if you would uh, um, have any answer to this. It's just a theory. But, Tef, why Tef? I, I I don't know why it intrigued me a little bit about why this information was on Tef. Because obviously we saw it in a Clone Wars movie. That was where Rotta was obviously kept hidden away. So, do you reckon that was stemmed, the significance of Tef? Um, yeah, I think. Th- was well, stemmed from Zero. Zero perhaps said, yes. Yeah, Put him yeah. on Teth, because he obviously has secrets there and he knows the planet quite well. Is that Yeah, that's you?
1: that's what I thought as well. I thought it was it was just, you know, Zero kinda knows the planet. Um, he knows sort of the good hiding places on it. Um and as a result, uh he whenever he needs to hide something, he sticks it there. Um you know, maybe if if I was the Hut Council I would have thought, Hmm, Zero was or Zero hit Rada there hit, hit Rada there, maybe we should go to have a look around there for the uh, for the hollow diary. But of course, you know, it's a big planet, so, you know, they can't check everywhere. and It's totally possible that they could miss it. Um, but yeah, I, I think it it's just sort of that that's kind of Zero's hiding place. That's where he puts stuff when he wants to when he wants to hide it. And Yeah, that's that's sort of how I read into it.
0: Yeah. Well, I thought it was just intriguing to to bring up really. Just uh, mm-hmm. yeah. It, it does actually make sense because obviously there's a lot of well he's put rotter there and he's obviously got the net there <laughs> yeah it's, it's all right putting all things in one place but if someone <laughs> finds out that place then you're pretty screwed you know yeah exactly <laughs> exactly fortunate for zero but apart from that that's the only thing i wanted to bring up and um, i'll pass over to you now
1: all right well i think now's the time we should uh we should do do our favorite quotes from 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 these episodes uh, oh. so are, are, are you ready or should shall i go first
0: I'll I'll let you go first again
1: alright so so from the sphere of influence my favorite quote is you know it's that scene with with Anakin and Ahsoka on the landing platform and Ahsoka runs up to to Anakin they have their little back and forth and and Padme is just sort of watching the whole thing and she just sort of goes to Anakin "I I still can't believe they let you teach it was just kind of this like funny moment that you know we're all kind of in on that you know it's all we're all kind of like really Anakin Skywalker with the Padawan you know he's the future Darth Vader right you really want him training the <laughs> the next the next generation of Jedi. Um so I, I quite liked that moment. Um and the other the other moment from that uh, or then from a sorry, and then from a um evil plans. Um my favorite is the uh is the jogan fruit salesman uh, saying um don't watch your credits watch your health. Uh, and then when I, or as his as his grandfather used to say, uh, don't watch your credits watch your health and when when I was watching my health someone stole my credits. And I thought that was quite quite amusing. <laughs> Excuse me. And even before that there was another good line. Like that's the thing the first Five minutes of evil plans is quite funny, um, of you know, Anakin, little exchange between Anakin and Threepio, and Anakin says, "Threepio, I'm sending you on a mission," and Threepio goes, "Oh my!" He's so excited, and Anakin goes, "And I'm sending R2 with you," and Threepio goes, "Oh my!" Like he knows something bad's <laughs> gonna happen. Um, and then from from hostage crisis um, when uh, when Cad Bane says, "I'm in control. I make the rules now." Just such a cool moment, such a oh, badass moment great. from 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 Cad Bane, and also um, when. When Zero comes out of the jail and he's going, "Oh my eyes, this is the light. It burns," and you just hear, you can just hear one of the clones go, "Oh God!" It's just like he's kind of speaking for some of those fans in that moment. Um, and then, uh, in the, uh, the, the, in in the final one in Hunt for Zero, just when, when Obi-Wan says to, says to Quinlan Boss, I never did like hanging out with you when they're hanging off the ledge. It's so corny, it's so cheesy. Uh, but I loved it. It was, (laughs) that was a funny moment. Um, how about yourself? Any favorite quotes from these episodes?
0: Yeah, I'll start off with Sphere of Influence. We haven't mentioned him yet yeah Dan Tebow <laughs> Dan Tebow oh. Dan Tebow even I can't even say his name right <laughs> but, uh, Dan Tebow <laughs> Dan, Dan, <Devo>. Dan <laughs> Tebow Dan <laughs> Tebow that's a great start to a quote yeah I to but I don't feel as bad because he's probably as inept in that department as I am he says um <laughs> to, to Papanoida you have nothing to worry about we are in complete control of the situation and I just thought it takes Babanoida one minute to walk in and find evidence. Like, what were they doing in there? They couldn't <laughs> find anything. And he just picks up something and goes, Oh, look, what's this? What's this? And you're like, What were Blood mean? on
1: it and everything. <laughs> yeah.
0: It was like everything. He's, he's even got like the little device that means he can trace the blood. And you're just like, What were they? Were they just like having a stroll around? So now. I can't see anything in here. Oh, well. And just walked out. In fairness, I don't blame uh, Papanoida for being concerned. If you see Devo on the on the work, Tan Devo, then uh, I would be concerned as well. <laughs> anyway, moving on to Evil Plants. Uh, yep. line here, I love this one, uh, when he's talking with uh, the Hutt Council, and he says, I'll take on any job for the right ah, price. That's a, that, that's a badass line. I remember that from the trailer. When that, yeah. Oh, that's such a good line from Bane. We're going to go into Hostage Crisis now. Uh, This made me laugh. Zero line, of course. Uh, The droid, IG droid, says, We are to rendezvous at the Senate. And he says, What? No, 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 no. The outer rim, not the Senate, you (laughs) stupid machine. But I don't want to go to the Senate. (laughs) (laughs) This is a typical zero line there. But I I did enjoy that. And then uh, the final one I've got is with... uh, Obi-Wan talking with Bane and he says, uh, well, Bane says, we're both too late for the party. And then yeah. Obi-Wan says, not your handiwork. He says, no, I wouldn't have made such sloppy kill. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> assessing and complaining that it wasn't professional enough.
1: Yeah, no. Boy, I,
0: I knew it was only got a couple of coins.
1: Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I guess, yeah. There was some, there was some great quotable moments from this arc. All right, so let's wrap it up with uh, with final thoughts. Uh, we'll start with Sphere of Influence, uh, Karen. A final thoughts and score out of ten for Sphere of Influence influence I'm
0: going to give it a 6 out of 10 it wasn't the greatest episode I've ever seen that's for certain but it, it wasn't too much wrong with it uh, as a standalone it did work quite well actually uh, obviously in comparison to other episodes I couldn't really give it the, the highest degree but the you know, things that were good about it I did quite like the action sequences and and the the two simultaneous scenarios of Ahsoka and uh, Chuchi trying to find one of the daughters and ian papanoida along with his father in tatooine jarvis palace you got to see the interaction with other characters such as grido um i know you were a bit iffy with that but i quite enjoyed seeing grido to be honest and I, I think it worked quite well Um so overall six out of ten it wasn't the greatest episode but it was quite quite a good standalone and uh, what about yourself
1: yeah well i'll give that one a, a seven out of ten uh you know I thought it was a it was an interesting story was, I quite like seeing the Papanoida family I thought that was just so much fun just to have you know action hero George Lucas running around uh was really cool and and then to see uh to see uh, ahsoka working with with Chuchi and to, to see her working on her force abilities so yeah it's a a a, a strong seven out of ten um and now I'll uh, move on to the the uh, the the arc the uh the cad bane zero the hut um trilogy um what do you think score out of 10 final thoughts
0: <laughs> score out of 10 I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10 overall um, principally the evil plans obviously is D. raw Proud to scoring but I do think that the other two episodes stand up really well and it's a, it's a bit unfair to have to <laughs> devalue the arc as a whole too much uh, because I, I I Hostage Crisis as we both said it's absolutely fantastic I love the storyline uh, and just seeing the bounty hunters in action and really posing as as formidable threat to the Jedi and the Republic in general was really fa- fascinating to see and then obviously we find out that zero was released by the huts um, more so in the in the hunt for zero arc which I know you were a bit ambivalent about but I I I did really really enjoy it. I think it, it stood up well and I loved the music rendition of Indiana Jones, which you still need to see, and <laughs> I, I also loved seeing the character interactions with the Boss Obi-Wan, and of course we touched upon the, the the final action scene with Cad Bane against Obi-Wan and Quinn, the boss, was just, oh, it was a magnificent spectacle, to be fair, it was aesthetically executed to perfection, and You know what, we've got some good, good fights coming up afterwards, but this was just one of those that really laid down a mark, in my opinion, and showed how far, again, the animation quality of these action scenes has has progressed. And the final part, we've seen Sice Noodles and and, and Zero, of course, which, if I had more time, I would write a eulogy for, but I I just don't. So, um, sorry, Zero, but... um, We're, we're sorry to see you leave, and um, that's as far as it goes for me. So I can't, I can't control my feelings now. I'm getting really emotional. <laughs> so I'll, uh, I'll pass over to you.
1: Yeah, I, I, I give this, this arc on, on a whole, uh, I guess six point five. Um, you know, I, and really, I, 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 I like. There's a lot to like in this arc. Uh, you know, if I were to give these episodes, you know, individual scores, you know, Hostage Crisis, like I said, would be like a nine, nine point five out of ten. Uh, Hunt for Zero would be around a six and, you know, uh, Evil Plans would be a two. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, it was, I, I love the action and the, the intrigue of Hostage Crisis. Uh, and there was a lot of cool stuff. I loved seeing all the underworld things and, and seeing Quinlan Voss and, and, and all that in, in Hunt for Zero. And, and of course the fight scene at the end of that, uh, as you said, was, was so, so cool. And it was very unique. It was not something that we see very often. We see, you know, these force users going up against a, a non-force user who just sort of has this insane set of tools at his disposal to, to fight with. So that was very cool. Um, and yeah, and then even, you know, even even Evil Plants had some 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 funny moments and, and I appreciate it for that, uh, even if though it's, you know, not my favorite episode or not anywhere close. Um, so yeah, so overall 6.5 for this arc. So thank you everybody for listening. Uh, Don't forget, you can catch new episodes every other Tuesday. Um, We are going to stick to that schedule uh, as best we can going forward. And it shouldn't be, you know, there shouldn't be long breaks anymore. Uh, We should be able to do a a straight run uh, at least until, at least until Christmas. Um, And who knows, who knows where we'll be at that point, how much, how much longer there will be to, to go after that um and then and yeah so you can get in on the conversation if you want you can send us an email at clonewarstrikesback at gmail.com uh like us on facebook facebook.com slash Back, or just search the clonewarstrikesback uh and of course follow us on twitter at tcw strikes back you can follow me personally at dominicj25 and you can follow kieran at cduggan6 uh don't forget to subscribe to the Star Wars Underworld Podcast feed. That's where you'll find this show and my other show, the Star Wars Underworld Podcast, on iTunes. Uh that and that way you will never miss an episode. Uh and hey, if you'd like to, you could leave us a review. And while you're there, don't forget to check out the Star Wars Underworld podcast, which is recorded live every Thursday at 9 p.m. on channel1138.com and then uploaded to the iTunes for Friday. Uh and uh it's always a lot of fun it's myself. Chris Siegel, Benjamin Hart, uh, talking all things Star Wars, breaking down all the latest news and rumors. Uh, and then, of course, when Star Wars Rebels kicks off, it'll be a whole different story. Uh, and then between, between shows, hit up StarWarsUnderworld.com for all the latest breaking Star Wars news, including Episode Seven Rebels, and so much more. Hopefully we'll get some news about Season 6 of The Clone Wars on DVD and Blu-ray soon as well. Uh, you know, the Germans are getting it, and so, uh, if our experience with the uh, with season six, aka the bonus content, was any experience, uh, Germans get it first, and then we get it shortly thereafter. <laughs> uh, so thank you everybody for listening, and may the force be with you.